Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. Steve, unfortunately, is a little bit sick. He sent me a text today saying that he felt that he was gargling with broken glass. Oh, He's got a really sore throat. That sounds like strep throat. I've, I've told him to, to go and suck a fisherman's friend, so I believe he's headed to Steveston as we speak, waiting for the boats to come in. He'll be right as rain in the morning. Are you sure he wasn't calling from Coltis Lake? <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is all just a ploy. I think he wanted to do early trick-or-treating. Or he may have fallen over a boat. Um, who, who can say? I'm just like, this is nice that we're both sitting down. Yeah. I usually stand. Yeah, I often stand too. Yeah. So I, I'm working the boards tonight, so... Error free. The, the podcast will be <laughs> spot on. Those of you listening live, this could be an adventure. It's been a while. Uh, I can't remember what buttons to press for some things. It's okay. It gives you a deeper appreciation for it, all that Steve it does. It does. If, if I didn't appreciate Steve before, by the end of tonight, I definitely will. I'm pretty sure of that. But we've got a great show in store. Steve's missing out. He's probably listening at home in his sick bed, I'm, I'm sure, or in the car on the, on the way to Steveston. We are going to talk CPL Championship. We're going to talk Whitecaps. We're going to talk MLS. And it's a couple of days before Halloween, a very special time of the year, because my wedding anniversary on Halloween. And we're going to celebrate Halloween on this show. So a little bit before, we didn't want to do it after, so we're going to play some spooky-themed songs, and we're going to have, if I finish writing this over the course of this show, by the time we get to part three, we're going to have a fun Halloween section as well. Right now, it's all in my head, and as my wife will tell you, that's usually not a good thing. <laughs> but we're going to kick things off with CPL. I thought... It's the off-season. Let's look at what the most important stories of the week are every week now that we do the show. So last week, we kicked things off with the, the national team. Today, it has to be CPL. This was a championship game, after all, so or one of the two. So we've got to talk about it. We don't, not that we have to. We want to talk about it. Let, let's just say that. It's the, the ending of what has been a, a very exciting year. Everyone was so 
buzzing about the first season of CPL. Um, on the whole, and we'll talk about this more once the season's finished, because we've got a, a number of interviews that we're going to bring you with some some key players and management and, and stuff from the CPL. But I, I've enjoyed this season. In some ways, it's sad that it's come to an end because it's been a, a nice nice little diversion and distraction from, from MLS and covering the Whitecaps. So that's given me a lot of joy, but it's been very, very enjoyable, Zach. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think for the on the most part, pe- most people are super encouraged by the first year. Uh, yeah, there's lots of obviously room to grow, but when you look at where we were a year ago from now, no league, no games, no stadiums. Well, some stadiums, I guess, but um, you know, it, things have come uh, quite a way, and uh, it's really. Yeah, just really encouraging is, is how I think of the first year in the, the, the Canadian Premier League. The off-the-pitch stuff, uh, I think there's a lot of growing pains there. Yeah. Uh, on, on the field, I think there's a lot of, uh, like we've said many times throughout the course of the year, it's been maybe even better than we thought it might be. It has, has for me. I keep telling people that when I'm doing their interviews, when I'm asking them what they think of them, like, it's way better than I expected. It has been. And the final, I, you went in the section when we talked about this last, last week's act, so actually I'll throw this oh, out yeah. to you right away. The final, Cavalry won the spring season. Cavalry won the fall season. Overall, combined points total, they finished six points, more points than what second place Forge FC It felt had. like more than that, didn't it? It did. I mean, you work it out and it's only six, you're like, Wait, what? Oh, that's a yeah. really lot closer than I thought. I know this is how it was spelled out at the start. This is what it was going to be. I didn't like it when I first saw it. I know they're trying to do something a little bit different. I'm not a fan of playoffs either. So David Klanikin appears not to be a fan of playoffs either. He's talked about that. that's not really how what the league wants to do. So they've tried something different. They've kind of followed a little bit of what you have elsewhere in the world, Mexico, South America, with a... The clausura and aperture and stuff like that. With the spring, the fall season, it's not new in North America. NASL had it as well. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. The fact that Cavalry won both, to me, it devalues the the championship game a little bit if they don't win. But yeah, it's what everyone signed up to. But just what are are your feelings on it? As I was listening to you guys yesterday, I did have to tend to agree with Stephen a little bit in terms of you can't change things, but... Uh, it, it, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a level of awkwardness to it. Uh, and I think part of the awkwardness for me, Michael, comes from the fact that you have kind of, uh, the ideal in world football in terms of the best team in your league is the team that does it over the, the ideally, (laughs) um, balanced league, uh, campaign. And that is the most sought after and, and recognized, uh, champion or winner within a country uh so you have that on one hand which i think the the canadian Premier League is trying to trying to um trying to reconcile or trying to emulate at least in some way but then you have north america which loves its playoffs and that that's okay too it's a different culture a different way this is one of the things I think MLS has not done done really well, and I'm hoping over time the CPL can get well. I think MLS far too much devalues the supporter shield, both in like logistically, but but also their common their commentators, the people who talk about their league, the people who are paid by the league to talk about the league, devalue it. 
And I would love to see the Canadian Premier League be able to do something where the team that wins the league, that is the best team over all the league matches, that is deemed to be the highest award you can win. But then why couldn't they do like a cup at the end of the season? So, you know, instead of like other countries around the world where you have the league and cup running concurrently, why not just do the cup at the end of the year mm. where everyone's in? It's an, oh, it can be open cup. Everyone's in and you see who wins the cup and you can have that whole playoff atmosphere going on for whatever, a month or like, well, <laughs> for the CPL, I guess, yeah, it would be like maybe a month um, at, at kind of this stage of things. Um, just to just to just change I don't know to change things up a bit. I think I think this is a, an opportunity maybe MLS has really missed. Uh, of course, then you have people say, "Well, then you know the regular season. What does that mean? It doesn't really get you anything." Yeah. But maybe that is the seeding for the cup or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's never going to be anything that pleases everyone. That no, it's the nature of football just in general. But that's a very interesting idea because I have seen a few people make comments this week. Dwayne Rollins w- w- was one of them. Dwayne commented on something? Yeah, and this is quite ironic considering how much he's gone on about uh, trophies, not friendlies over the years. He said it felt, I'm sure it was Dwayne, if it's not, I'm sorry for misquoting him, but he said it feels like the other teams should be playing friendlies right now because it's way too early for the season to end. And it's like, why would you be wanting to just play meaningless games at this point? That seems like a really awkward comment. I I, I mean... in some ways, yeah, the season, it feels a bit early, but MLS regular season is over. And you also have to start thinking about the weather coming into play as well. Oh, yeah. Which it looks well, like the CPL's totally. dodged a bullet this year because it doesn't look like it's going to be too bad in, in Calgary. Well, it's not great now, but it's supposed to get better. Yeah. yeah. It's horrendous tonight and tomorrow because yeah. I checked. Minus 18, it said tonight. Well, it felt like minus 18. They get Chinooks in Calgary, I'm told. Mm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so I, I, that's what I think, though. I think they need to find a way to value who wins the league. And I think long-term, they need to get away from Aperture Clubs. Or I'm okay with it now. Mm. I'm fine with it now. But I think they do need to have, like, a, this is our champion. Yeah. Well, they and might then we, and then we, it hasn't helped either because no, that's... No, not at all. That's been a big part I of I mean, it. it doesn't help when you have... Uh, when you have uh, an uneven number of teams also like yeah. that, <laughs> you know, well, things. I mean, it ended up the final has been between I mean, the two, two best, best teams, teams yeah. all year round. So there's that. So that's a plus. By the end of the final, though, it's going to be nine meetings across all competitions so, between these two teams. Okay, so I hear people complaining about this. Yeah. You were around at the USL. There were seasons where Vancouver played Montreal nine times in a year. Do you not remember that? Back in the USL days? Yeah. We played like... Oh, because uh, there was a playoff. So we and Voyager's Cup. Yes, yeah. So we had like two Voyager Cup games, two playoff games, and then we played four or five times in the regular season. I know back in Scotland, East Fife would sometimes play teams six or seven times because the cup draws more if there was replays and stuff. And we started to hate it just because you're just seeing the same teams over and over and over again. The plus point, at least, was the championship game was on CBC, and there's not been many games on CBC. Yeah. So to the viewing public, they won't have seen these teams too often play but, each other. But anyone who tuned in, known that these teams have seen a lot of each other. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Well, right. Let's let's get into the game. And we'll, we'll rattle through bits of the game. I'm going to have some audios as well from, from post-game. By the end of everything, Forge FC... Head into the second leg with the narrowest of 1-0 leads over Cavalry. You hoped it was going to be a, a good showcase for the league because it was the top two teams, the two best teams by, by a mile in the league. 
and you thought it would be because of, of the games between them. There's there's real needle between them. There's real animosity between them. Tommy Wilden said afterwards, oh, there's no hate between the teams. He's going to say that. I'm pretty sure there's hate between the teams. The first half for me started quite slowly. I I ended up fast-forwarding through a lot of the first half because <laughs> I I was delayed because I'd headed out to Langley to get myself some black pudding and pies from Black Pudding Imports. Yes. And I got home and I thought, okay, the boxing's on. I want to watch the box. Yeah, so you text, you text me and said, "Don't no spoilers, please. Yep. I'm watching it on delay. So, okay. So as I started watching it, I was I wanted to text you and be like, <laughs> be like, um, do you want me like, do you want me to give any like comment like whether you should watch or not, whether you know, because yeah, at the beginning it was not super. Yeah, I was gonna send you a message, and be like, ah, uh, the beginning's not great. But then I thought it was it, interesting because a lot of folk thought cavalry would maybe just go try and get a, an away goal, get on the board early, and they sat back. Yeah, but at the same time, Forge played some some lovely football, and. After that, the game exploded. And Literally. Talking points galore, which is great because it's got folk talking about this. We ended up with one goal, two sending offs, three times the ball hit the woodwork, factoring a saved penalty, a wonder goal, some horrible refereeing, I felt. Two teams, as I said, that feels that they genuinely dislike each other. And it was good stuff. On national TV, people got to see it. Come to that in a little bit as well, but... The main talking point started eight minutes before halftime. Forge won a penalty. Joe Waterman of Cavalry got sent off. BC lad. Seen him play a lot for Trinity Western over the years. Seen him play in the, the USL PDL as well. Yeah. How did you feel about the sending off? Well, well, first of all, it's the penalty. It's harsh, but it's a penalty to me because oh, yeah. it, it hit his arm. I, I don't think you've got any complaints. The sending off, and there's a lot, There's been some discussion, was it a sending off for the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity? Or was it a sending off for deliberate handball? Now, it was not deliberate handball, which is what Tommy Wilden thought the sending off was for immediately in the aftermath of it. Did he deny a clear goal-scoring opportunity? Hard to say, but there is every chance Borges would have been in on an open goal. I felt the sending off though was harsh. I yeah. I, not just because I wanted I, would Calgary win, and I know Joe Waterman personally. I thought it was very very harsh for a cup final to send him off for that. I forget if it's a cup final. I thought there's no more like double jeopardy like that. Yeah, and that, well, this is where it comes in. There's the new rules, but the CPL is not playing uh, with the new right, rules, right, right, as right. far as I understand, right. because the new rules came in halfway through the season. Unless they did adopt it for the fall season, and I missed that. And if I did, I'm sure someone will correct me. But yeah, the double jeopardy thing—it's—it's it's meant to have gone. Yeah, and it was double jeopardy for them. Very harsh. You felt it was going to change the game. You felt it was going to ruin the game. And to be honest, if Forge had taken the chances, it would have ruined the game. And I think it would have also made the second leg kind of moot because. Forge could have been out of sight with the chances that they created. But they gave away the penalty. Borges stepped up. Marco, Our boy, Marco. Marco Carducci. I remember I was watching with my son. I said, son, you, like, watch, you have to watch this. And I think I said, do you think he's going to score? And I think my son said, yeah. I said, son, you're wrong. I said to Caitlin, <laughs> Marco's going to save this. Yeah. We have seen him over the years save so many penalties totally. from about 14 or 15 years old. Totally. 
I've got a video up on our YouTube channel of, I think, his first game for the Whitecaps where he saves a penalty as well. And you just sensed that they were going to get it. He went the wrong way, but his legs didn't. Yeah. That was the main thing, so his legs stopped it. That's the problem when you hit it down the centre. You always risk a keeper getting his legs to it. Especially at that height. Yeah. But still, well, well done yeah, for Marco to... Yeah. Well, well done for Marco to... Yeah, like, make, made himself big, kept it out, and you thought, ho, ho, Cavalry's dodged a bullet. Yeah. Before that, Becker had hit the bar yep. for, for Forge. And Becker and Borges were certainly running rampant, causing a lot of problems for for Cal, Cavalry. I'm going to get this Cavalry, Cavalry <laughs> thing. The more I say it over the whole night, I'm going to get this wrong. But then... A minute into stoppage time, technically a second over the minute, but I don't think the referee could have blown. Bowen's up in the back of the net. It's 1-0 Forge. It's a great strike from Borges. And you think, uh-oh, Cavalry's in real trouble here. You, I felt that. I, I felt as as well as I felt Marco did on, on the, the PK. Mm. You, when you watch it, well, even actually when I watched it the first time, his reaction was like he, he felt he like stood it looked, still. Well, it looked like he, he thought, thought it was going, going wide. wide. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he, obviously that's the one he would want to have back. I think. Yeah, no, it doesn't mean he would have gone to it, but I think he. No, would wa- I think he would have wanted. It was well to... struck, and even yeah. if he dived, I do think that was going in the back of the net. It was well placed, Borges. I fell for him on the, that one. The man that created all the talking points, it seems, in <laughs> yeah. this game, brought down for the penalty, misses the penalty, um, scores the opening goal. goal, and then has an early bath because Forge dominated the match, and at one point. They had over 70% of the possession. The talking point, though, comes in the 69th minute. Your friend, Jay Wilden, clatters into Borges on a tackle. Given a yellow card. Given a yellow card. Appropriately. Which a lot of folk missed because they thought it wasn't a foul or it wasn't a yellow card. But it's like, no, he was, it oh, was definitely it was a given a, a yellow card. I thought that could have been a red. Yeah. Because I thought both players were going to get sent off. Yeah, so did I. I I knew Borges was going to get sent off because he kicked out. And I just thought the referee's just going to have seen the kick. I'm not saying I feel it was a worthy red card. But when a referee sees a player kick like that and react, Wilden goes down holding his face. It felt like it was going to be a sending off. What what did you think of the whole incident? Did you think the kicker was that bad? No. No. But because he raised his feet... And where right. the referee was, I thought the referee's going to give was, it, was it because a, of the reaction. Was it a little... Uh, I don't even think he kicked out because I don't think he made any contact. No, I know, because Jay was grabbing his face. Yeah. He just put his feet up in the air yeah. to try and wriggle out of it. There's going to be an appeal. Oh, yeah. I saw, it I've was heard... announced today. I don't know what the, what the appeal system is in CPL if they have well, their own well, here's the, panel. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> even, <laughs> even though they're appealing... They probably won't get a ruling until after. Oh yes, of course, with the whole Kyle Becker thing. How long did that one take? Or the or the ra- then, or the, course, race, the yeah the racial thing, slur yeah. or the racial comments. <laughs> Forge are involved in all of these things. There's a special Forge panel. Oh, Folk man. are saying, oh, and it has to get appealed because this is where we fall into difficult territory because there's not VAR in CPL, and I think if there was VAR, I'm not sure he would have been sent off, and I think Wilden may have got yeah. sent off. So, do you overrule it? And if you overrule it, folk in cavalry will be like, you're only overruling it because he's the league's top goal scorer and you want him for the showcase game. If you don't overrule it, folk are going to say, that's terrible because he shouldn't have been sent off. It's going to ruin the final. 
you're giving an advantage to, to Cavalry because you're keeping Forge's best player off. It's just tough here. There's a, there's a no-win situation for them. But if you're going to do the right thing, I think you have to rescind it. And I think Borges has to play in that second leg. You, yeah, I kind of hope he doesn't. I um, hope he doesn't but, as well because I want Cavalry to win. Yeah. Sorry, David Edgar. but Oh, yeah, David Edgar. Um, Who also hit the bar, one of, one of the people that hit the bar in the game. You're right. Yeah, uh, but I, I do unfortunately think uh, that uh, that he is going to be able to play in the final. This this photo shoot's really heating up. <laughs> um, can, can I give you a, uh, a quick thing from our friend uh, Greg Petrie? Of course. Uh, Squizado did a long, uh, or sorry, did a two tweet thing uh, about the about it. Can I just read it? I haven't read it. Yeah. So I'm reading this live. This is from uh, everyone's friend Daniel Squizado. Okay, I still haven't seen the play yet, but I'm seeing debate slash confusion. So if a player denies an obvious goal-scoring opportunity by handling the ball inside their penalty area, triple jeopardy, PK, red card suspension still applies. What was changed was the punishment for certain dog-so fouls that occur inside the penalty area. A mistimed tackle inside the area is now yellow rather than red. That's where triple jeopardy has been removed. Not for handball situations. Hmm. Thanks, Greg. Yes, thanks for clearing that one up. That's and, at, and at our well. dumb world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I still don't like, it, but anyway. Yeah, I don't like it either. Uh, I, I, I do think you're. I do think you're right. Though. I think Borges will make an appearance in, uh, uh, in Alberta. I'll, I'll be very Saturday. surprised if it is not overturned. But Forge dominated the game. That, that that was the only goal in it. I mean, that evened things up. And after that, there was a whole different dynamic. And Cavalry had a few forays forward, but, but couldn't score. Now, Forge were up a man. And they took the game to Cavalry. They created so many chances. They hit the woodwork. They went for the kill. But they didn't add to that one goal lead. How costly is that going to be now? Did they blow their chance? Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really want Cavalry to win. I think they're they're the deserving winners over the course of the league. Uh, and yeah, aside from a couple guys like David, <laughs> like David Edgar, who I really, really do appreciate strongly, uh, uh, I kind of want to see those 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 kids at Cavalry win. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good. Tommy Bilden after the game said that this was Forge's chance to to kill the tie off and to make the second leg almost pointless. Great mind games from Tommy. But yeah, there was a little bit more mind games from Tommy after the the, the game in the post-match press conferences. So I'm going to bring you... AFTN's man on the ground, John Pickett, was there at the stadium. Sent me a ton of audio from it. So I've got both head coaches talking after the game. A uh, number of the players as well, and Bob Young, the, the owner of Forge FC. So we're going to bring all this extra audio out in our extra podcast, including the full coaches thing. Uh, Bobby Cerniotis, he talked for 12 minutes, uh, Tommy spoke for nine. So I'm going to play you a little bit from both head coaches just now. Some interesting stuff here. Have a listen. I think you're going to have to dissect that one. Uh, you go into it with a lot of what ifs. Up a goal, down a goal. Up a man, down a man. You know, if, uh, what type of formation they're playing, what nuances we can attack and exploit. And then sometimes football throws you a curveball. So we have a saying around our club about adapt and overcome. And 
it wasn't um, it wasn't the best scenario to be in, but we're still in the tie, so uh, we're, we're, we can take that back to Spruce Meadows and get that rocking. So we're we're disappointed to lose, but we know we've got a chance at home. Sort of the tone of the play, it, it seems like that one nothing, and the fact you were down one for so long, it seems to me that this is a decent result for you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Champions League football, isn't it? You know, um, one goal games are okay to, to swing. We know we'll score goals at home. Um, I said that that was their chance to really put us out of the tie, and they didn't take it. And then the game threw another curveball, and we're still in the game. Tommy, I mean, what was the official word on? Uh, I believe deliberate handball. And how did that kind of set off the rest of the half? You guys, you guys seemed like you were scrambling and looked like you were going to get out of the first half. Uh, no, we were, do, we, we were prepared. If you look at stats, when we've come here, we've generally um, had possession of the ball. And I think that suits Forge because they like you to come at them and then exploit your weaknesses and, and hit you on transition. And they've got lightning pace, so... We actually flipped the switch a little bit and were prepared to let them have the ball. So we were comfortable with their centre-backs having it because it weren't hurting us. Um, and then, obviously, when you go down a man, then you absolutely, you've you got to see out the half. And we were disappointed. I don't know how long an injury time that goal was scored. Um, we were disappointed to, to concede after Marcos made a heroic save. So uh, nothing kind of went according to plan for that first half, obviously. You didn't expect to come down in the end. What do you tell your boys at the half? What's the, what's the Suffer. No, it's it's it, and people laugh, but in football you have to suffer and be prepared to be suffer. We've just seen Leicester City spanked Southampton nine nil. You know, um, we knew it, with ten men that game could have got out of hand. It could have gone if Fortune had scored early and again and often that game could have got out of hand. And leg two is is no game. Now we score first, the game's alive, isn't it? Um, so. I think what I said to the boys, be prepared to suffer, be prepared to be starved of the ball and just be disciplined. And uh, we were looking to catch them on a counter or, or set play, but we're okay with a, a one-goal deficit going home. Tom, what will win this tie for um, for you? And also with um, Borges missing the second you know, leg, is it going to be advantageous to you? Absolutely. Borges is a terrific player, but you know he's, he's got an edge to him. And uh, you know everyone talks about Jose Escalante on our team. Borges is the same, he's, he's talented, but he plays with an edge, and today he got caught out with it. Um, but he also cut us open with his, his tremendous strike, and that shows the, the strength of the boy, and I'm sure he'll uh, return next season a, a better player for it. Um, does it give us an advantage? Absolutely. Can you take Becker with him as well, and we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> and what will win this tie for you? Goals. Um, we score at home a lot, and uh, we're, we're very good at home. Our goal-scoring record has showed that, and uh, we're looking forward to, to making that happen. What was the word uh, you were given on the Borges red card? Yeah, the easiest answer is from who? Um, no word. Um, no word from anyone. Um, so from that aspect, I can't really comment on it. I think uh, the easiest thing to do is watch the video and it's clear. That's the only thing I can say on it. How important was it to keep clean yeah, there's a few things we wanted out of this game. We wanted a positive performance, right? Because I think that's important. You obviously want to come out of this with a win, and the third thing, you want to keep a clean sheet. I think that keeps things uh, pretty straightforward going into a second match. And listen, there's a, there's a match to be played next Saturday that uh, will be just as intense as this one, but we've put ourselves in a good spot going forward. Bobby? Yeah? Bobby, I think it's 
control beforehand, you'd have a one nothing. When you'd be happy with that going in. But is there some sort of bittersweet some disappointment here with the fact that it could have been maybe three? Yeah, we obviously had the chances. Listen, I think our performance was excellent today. You know, we're we're on the front foot. We played forge football. It's uh, it's what we want to show when we play. I think our crowd was fantastic, and uh, they pushed the guys, and the, the environment uh, was great. So yeah, we want uh, a little bit more, but uh, we're also uh, happy with where we are. And just the way we've played, we take a lot of positives. Listen, we've played each other three times in the last three weeks, and we've taken a lot from those uh, from those games, and I think a lot of it is good. Bobby, how does the second night now set up for you, for you guys, especially with you know, Tristan? Yeah, listen, it's uh, something we've dealt with uh, over the year with different players. You know, you look at today, and uh, we have two uh, key players to our team, and Dominic Samuel and Johnny Grant, who, who aren't available, and Bert and Wundi. Uh, we just go about business. You know, we don't look at uh, what we can't control. We always look at what we can control and what we can control is that we've got good depth in our team. We've got guys who, who step up in, the, in different occasions and in different roles. Uh, we saw today with uh, CSA playing a, a new role uh, for the first time this year. So we're confident in the guys and we're confident in our tactical flexibility to go into the game and be prepared. Uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy was just in here and he spoke about Tristan um, and the fact that he plays with a little bit uh, of an edge. Do you say anything to Tristan uh, about his edge and when to pull it back a little bit? Yeah, what edge? Uh, that's the answer I have for that. He, he plays uh, on the ball. He gets himself going forward. He likes to attack. Um, yeah, Maradona played with an edge. Messi plays with an edge. Ronaldo plays with an edge. So Tristan Borges just needs to keep on playing like them, and his future is bright. Are we any plans to appeal that right Yeah, I think if there's a process, and we haven't talked about it, but if there's a process to do it, you obviously do it. Um, like I said, we'll review the video, and if the video shows um, that there's nothing there, then... You owe it to the player, you owe it to the league, you owe it to everyone that uh, one of the best players in this league is playing in that last game. The head coach is there, and... Yeah, some interesting stuff. Obviously, we're big fans, or I'm big fans, of Tommy Fielding on, on this show. Uh, yeah, I appreciate Tommy. I, I just like the mind games that he plays. I like that he, he's kind of a Marmite person. Folk seem to either love, love it or, him hate, or hate him. Yeah. Where do you fall on the Marmite? I, I like him because... Oh, I like Tommy. I mean Marmite. Oh, oh, I hate Marmite. Oh, okay, good. Okay. That's disgusting. My, my, um, uh, my boss loves it. Oh, he's from Northampton. Mm. Yeah, it's not right. And like and Vegemite, you saying for Vegemite? Vegemite? I was about to just sit in Australia. They've got Vegemite and not Ru- rub- rub- rubbish, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should take Marmite to training and see which players are Marmite <gasps> players a, on a, on a, like a Ritz cracker. Yeah. Where you put that on? I had an idea as well to play the game Pie Face with them. I'm trying, to exp- <laughs> trying to explain that to to Caitlin today, and she didn't know what it was. And I showed her. Went, so my idea is, if we get two players, and then one of them will get a pie in the face, and she's like. Yeah, I can see the club letting you do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they will. Of course they will. Yeah, they love you, Michael. Yeah. As long as, as Jesus. long as, as don't long let me do anything. As long as you don't hug them, you'll be fine. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I do think Tommy is a master of the mind games and playing a little bit there, kind of saying, yeah, we're confident going into the second leg. Forge had their chance. They kind of blew it. Of course, that's the kind of thing that a manager pins up on the board and says he thinks you've blown it. Go out and prove him wrong. So, I don't know. We'll see. But 
we have we t- we touched on the refereeing performance. Yeah, I think we have to just we're kind of already overrunning this bit, but let's talk a little bit more about the referee. Yeah, what did what did like for me? I did not feel like he like controlled the game. Uh, uh, you and I were talking uh, in the break there, or in our break there, about how uh, s- some fellow uh, people from across the country mentioned to me that uh, um, for. <laughs> Uh, people who've had him as a ref before were tweeting about how they just feel he's not a very good referee at all, uh, specifically Raheem Edwards and uh, Jordan Hamilton, who would have had him uh, in their, their days growing up in Ontario. <clears throat> um, but yeah, he just didn't feel like he controlled the game very well. I'm not, I, I'm not saying he got all the calls wrong or anything like that, because he definitely did get some right, but he didn't control the game. Like, I I, I kind of I, I assume there's a good reason, but I didn't quite understand why you didn't have one of the more experienced referees in Canada refereeing this game. Like I'm not a huge fan of them, um, of all of them, but like where was Petrescu or Gantar or uh, Drew? What's his face? But ha- have they been doing the CPL games this year? I don't think they they've been have. only doing MLS. I think they might have, yeah. So they might just have wanted to pick so from their own union refs, or whatever. But I can't guarantee about that. Actually, talking about union, this was something I meant to tweet out this week because I was thinking about it. Do the CPL have a players' union? Because I've not seen any mention of well, it. Well, we can ask some of the mm. people we know. Not that, uh, that was just something I was quite curious about. I, I mean, I haven't seen any of them players tweeting about charter flights or anything yet. But <laughs> Oh... <laughs> I'm sure they they're not happy just with flights and gym. But no, the, what did you think about the referee? I I, I thought he, I totally agree. I thought he completely lost control. I tweeted out that he ruined the game, and I can't remember who it was, but someone tweeted back at me saying, "How can he ruin the game when he got all the decisions right?" I'd, so I guess it depends no, if you look at the two settings off as being valid. And the first one I think was harsh, and the second one I don't think was a kick out. Yeah, so there's so no, there's like that I don't but, think but, but he, it, he got them right. It's bigger than that though. Like you yeah. need to. That was Darnell, by the way, that tweeted us that. Thanks, Darnell. Um, but it's bigger than that. Like you have to be able to con- like command respect from the players, and it just felt like he. I don't know. It felt like he had. I don't know. As I was sitting there watching, I was like, "This is this could get ugly because this guy." Well, knowing how these two teams are with each other as well. You did think, that added to, yeah, yeah. That, it's like things are going to really boil over here. So, in in a lot of ways, it was quite good that the players didn't let things boil over. Cavalry obviously could not afford, but to they go did down it in moments. Man. There was some crunching tackles going. He missed a lot of stuff, and folk are going to say, "Oh, if they had VAR, they had then that would maybe not have happened, or things would have been reviewed." And I'm glad there's no VAR in CPL. I've got to say. And by the same regard, yeah, we're slagging off the referee. But to me, that's football's about mistakes, mistakes from the players, mistakes by the referee. It happens, shit happens, and that is the game, unfortunately, in some occasions. But it makes the game what it is. So I'm all for human error. We need to save that clip. Yeah. (laughs) So the second leg, quickly. Who you got for it? I, I I really do think... Uh, cavalry will be able to overcome. I, I think it's going to be three one cavalry in the match. So three two one aggregate in the match. Yeah. yeah, I think they're going to go two up. Fours are going to score. And they'll get another one, and then they'll get another one later on to make it three one. The crowd's going to be interesting. It, it looks. I had a look at the weather today, and it looks like the the weather might actually be four to six degrees. So it's not going to be as cold as a lot of folk thought it would be. 
And extra subscribers will hear the full chat for, with Tommy Fielden after the game. He was asked about the cold, and he's like, I love it. It keeps my, the frost keeps my hair in place. Who said that? Tommy Fielden. Oh, yeah. How, how did you feel about the over like the 10 plus crowd? When I first saw the game at kickoff in the empty seats, I was a little bit concerned, but it's a very deceptive stadium because yeah. obviously it's a massive stadium. I thought that wasn't bad. Can I see what, like 28,000 or something? Possibly even more, I'm not sure. But I mean, it doesn't look good yeah. to have the empty seats because it looks like it's a shit crowd. That's why I hope. But 10,000 plus, I think, is actually a really good crowd. Hopefully they'll cram whatever 6,500 or whatever fit into uh, Calgary yeah. for the final. They've been struggling to draw in the last couple of home games with the weather. So hopefully, because this is a championship game and they need a really fervent crowd there, that they'll, they'll get the full house in, in capacity. I'm still disappointed I'm not going to. I'm going to be up here at UBC commentating on the, the Canada West Final Four games. But you got to pay the bills, man. Yeah. Scott Strasser, AFD's man in Calgary, will be at that game. And we hope to catch up with Scott during the week, maybe for a chat. And if we do, maybe a couple of other interviews that we can get lined up as well. We might bring out a, a special podcast during the week as well. Re- regardless, someone is going to be the first winner of the Canadian Premier League Championship. And they're going to get to lift. Oh, <laughs> The biggest paperweight in football in history. I showed my wife this this morning, and I said, I want to show you something. I said, it's 14 inches and one and a half inches thick, and she, she got a little bit excited. Then I showed her the photo of this Northern St- North Star Shield. I said, what do you think that is? And she's like, oh, it's like a paperweight my boss has at work. I said, oh, that's a CPL trophy. And she went, how big is it? And I went, I've just told you. She's like, oh, oh. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it feels like... It feels like yeah. Someone's been to 3dprinting.com. <laughs> it feels like, like who who was... Which person in the office was responsible for that? Cause that it's because they want to do things different. No, it's not. It's because... It's not? It, no, it got left to the last minute. That's what oh. happened. That's, that's the kind of trophy you get when it's left to the last minute. At least it has 2019 on it, so we know there's going to be another one next year. Yeah, that was the, I sorry, I did hear what that maybe well, part of it is that they couldn't get kind of they couldn't come up with something that they liked enough. So this is like a place placeholder. But literally. <laughs> you could put it on a on anything and hold it in place. I feel yeah, it it's it it's a huge like I uh, shield. Uh, yeah, I Bundesliga, yeah, you want a shield for the winner. Mm-hmm. But it it, it's um, not even a shield. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a piece of glass. Yeah. It's so underwhelming. I can't wait for someone to drop it and it smashes and it smithereens. Well, that's, smithereens. Well, that's part of the joke is like, they're like, oh, when we win it, we'll get our players to drop it so they have to get a proper trophy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's hope so. Anyway, that is it for the CPL chat. We are going to be back in part two with some Whitecaps talk and an interview with Freddie Montero. I'm David Edgar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
You're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. That was, sadly, our last song from Fife's Finest, the kings of Scottish death rock, from Methyl, 13 Tombs. I drink your blood. As I said, the second best thing to come out of Methyl after East Fife, still unbeaten, three months into the season. What happened to your band that cancelled? Oh, the Yummy Fur. Yeah. They were going to be our Artist of the Month next week or next month. No, I assume but not. No, I, oh, I'm, they're not going to be Artist of the Month. They are going to reschedule their North American tours. When they do that, we'll have the Master Artist of the Month then. don't know what happened, whether it was ticket sales or visas or what, but they've just reformed after umpteen years, and I haven't seen them since about the mid-'90s, so I was really excited to see them. And uh, I, I saw your tweet, so I was, was the, disappointed for The you. good news, though... Is friends of the show, Goldie, Luke and Shane, have a new album out, so they're going to be Artists of the Month instead. Oh, I think you say Maybe we'll actually get the interview with them this time that we had lined up that will, fell through. Will they come to Vancouver for you? or Maybe. I'm sure they don't have much else to do. But yeah, we're, we're going to be playing all their classics, from Your Mother's Got a Penis to the new album Skin Tight and stuff like that. All your favourites. 13 Tombs all. Follow them on Facebook and Reverb Nation. Facebook.com backslash 13 Tombs. Reverb Nation backslash 13 Tombs. You can get more of their stuff there. So that song was for Halloween. I'm going to have some more Halloween talk later. But talking of horrific things, Vancouver Whitecaps. <laughs> or the 2019 season. It was quite horrific. Let's, let's be honest here. It has been, though, a, a quiet week of Whitecaps news, which is only to... To be expected. Training is still underway, but the numbers are, are quite limited. It's more like five-a-side tournaments that they're having just now. But it has given us a chance to, to grab some good interviews for the, the weeks to come. And over those weeks, we're going to be looking at certain aspects of the Whitecap squad as the rebuild gets underway. So tonight, we're going to start at the top. Not the management, but the attack. The front line. The thing that we were severely lacking this season. The Whitecaps scored 37 goals this season. The lowest in the West, second lowest in all of MLS, six ahead of the worst team, Cincinnati, and only 48 behind LAFC. I think that was good. Just if anyone needs reminding, LAFC's Carlos Vela had 34 goals of his own, just three shy of the Whitecaps total. Zlatan hit 30. Of the Whitecaps attackers... Freddie Montero led the way. He had eight goals. Jordi Reyna, I'm putting him as an attacker, hit seven. Lucas Venuto had three. Theo Bear had two. Tossant Ricketts, Michael Chirinos, and Las Bangura all had one. As we all know, young designated player, my partner in crime fighting, <laughs> detective extraordinaire, Joaquin Ardiez, he scored a big fat zero. Is he the, the worst... Uh, attacking signing from the Whitecaps ever? Uh, have you forgotten Mustafa Jarju? No, but he did, he was only here half a year and then gone. Like, already uh, he actually did score a goal in a yeah, reserve game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a beauty. Yeah, and he. Yeah, I think there's a good case to. I know. I, to I would for never that. forget Mustafa. No, but well, that's, that's a good argument. Sad thing, of course, is it has been confirmed that Joaquin is not coming back. I had my neck tattoos all lined up. <laughs> Disappointed. I was really looking forward to you having to get a neck 
<laughs> yeah, so were some people in the white caps. <laughs> he said, oh, you never know. I said, I think I'm safe. I'm going to go for a double jippity here. I'll get one of my ass as well if he comes back. <laughs> but no, he is not coming back. Oh, now, man. Much has been made that this was Reina's best season as a white cap. I've seen that a lot written in the, the past couple of weeks. I, I disagree. If you look at the stats, he had one more goal than his other two seasons. Seven to six and six. So if you're just looking at goals that's scored, it's Mike, his best output. Michael, come on. You know that's where most of those people were looking. Yeah, sadly. But it goes way beyond that for me. Reina has had better seasons. And for me, last season was his better season. He had one goal less and six to his seven this year. But he had 11 assists. Yeah. This year, he had one which is basically just how poor this team was in general in output. And probably tied into how they approach things from an attacking side. Yeah. I mean, Ali Adnan and Inbom Wang, they led the, the way with five assists each. He had one. Freddie Montero had three. Now, Jordi, again, was quite slow out of the blocks. Maybe it was the formation. Maybe it was just him getting used to new teammates. I'm sure there's a number of combined factors. But if he is to stick around, we need more out of him. We need a better output, not just goals. He has to be more creative. He has to get these assists. Yeah, no, I I think so. But like we've said, been saying for at least a year now, it's hard to see him in Vancouver next, next year. I, I think, and we said this on last week's show, I think he might hang around just to kind of see... Or wait for a bit, at least, to see who comes in. To see if it's an exciting progress. So he's like a lot of Whitecap season ticket holders? Is he... <laughs> he's got until January to cancel his contract, yeah, there I think. You go. So yeah. he'll get his money back if yeah. if he doesn't like who we bring in. They're doing it with the players too, eh? Mm. Huh. It's, a, it's, a new, it's a new broom, I was going to say. But no, it's clearly not. But if we are talking about disappointing seasons, Freddie Montero's has to be up there. And he's the first person to say that it's been a disappointing and a frustrating season for him, as you'll soon hear. It was the first time in the six MLS seasons that he didn't hit double digits for goals. He only got eight. His previous worst was in 2010, where he got 10 goals. It was also his worst season for assists. He got three, as I mentioned. His worst before that was six, which was with the Whitecaps back in 2017. Yeah. Wasn't a good season all round. So what was behind that? Is it that the formation just simply does not suit him? He's talked about he's a player that likes the ball at his feet and the midfield and the supporting cast certainly did not give him that this year. No. No, I mean, as much as I have, you know, preferences on where my strikers have played and stuff, I mean, putting that aside, you when you look at the service that not just he but all the – uh, strikers from Vancouver had this year. It, it, it's hard to, it's hard to fault some of them. It's hard to fault them for their their yeah. output. I mean, we we saw him two years ago. What he can do with very little service. He got even less this year. Yeah. There's games where he didn't even get a shot on target, and that's not down solely to him. A little bit maybe, but a lot of it. There is were not games where the him. team didn't get a shot on target. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just testament to how poor the midfield and the creative play was. Now, Freddie did cut a frustrating figure on the pitch at times. I got a chance to sit down with him on Tuesday for a one-on-one chat about the season, what may lie in store for the future, 
We did a few fun things at the end as well, which we'll, we'll bring you down the line. I will say, as soon as we started the interview, it was great. It was nice and quiet. And then he started talking about the season and this buzz kind of came on behind us. And we don't know where it came from. I think it was the Whitecaps listening devices kicking <laughs> in, just trying to find out exactly what he was saying. But it's a bit annoying in the interview, so I'll just warn you about that now. But we had a chat about a lot of things, including something I was really curious about. Because towards the end of the season, he was kind of doing his hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil goal celebrations. But she only sadly got to do two off of the three. He didn't get that third one to do. So I asked him about that. So I think very fitting for our, our, our Halloween show. Here's Freddy. So, so Freddy, it's it's been a, a tough season for the club, for for you as well. Looking at the stats, it's not just about stats, but it's been your season where you've. Scored the, the least goals in, in your MLS career. Sometimes it maybe felt a little bit frustrating for you out there. Is that how it felt for you on the pitch as well? Uh, yes, uh, I agree with you. It's been a tough year, uh, personally for me and uh, obviously for, for the organisation. And um, the fact that yeah, it's been the, the, the season with... with uh, uh, less amount of goal in, in my MLS career. It's it's also um, another point against uh, against what happened this year. But uh, uh, frustration after the games, uh, I would say yes. Um, not in every single game, of course. Yeah. But um, I I always um, as a striker um, or sometimes when I I was playing as a winger, I I like to have possession of the ball. And the, the, I would say a few games where I couldn't even shoot on goal, so that that's really frustrating for me as a as a striker. And and I would say that those are the games that uh, I I will never look back for. That was one of the things, and you talked about it after one of the games. You've always been a player. You need to get the ball. You like the ball at your feet, and when you do that, that's when you make things happen. <clears throat> it obviously wasn't happening at times this season, but. You were playing in a number of different positions, and like we're, we're used to you being a striker, an out-and-out striker. How, how did you find that? Did you like the Did you like the, the chance to play in these different positions, or for you, are you still really wanting to just be an out-and-out striker? Yeah, I mean, as as a as a striker, my whole career, I wanted to be inside the box. You know, when when defenders are pulling me. Outside of the box, that they know that, that I, I I am least dangerous. So um, I felt like sometimes when I had to play in different position, I, I was outside of the box, and and I had to change my role, uh, trying to be more as a playmaker and trying to help the team with possession of the ball. And then for me, getting in those spots to score goals, um, it's it's different uh, now with the experience that I have. You know, after so many years of, of playing professional soccer, I know when when the team and the coach is asking me to play on the left side of the field, in the midfielder, uh, or as a striker, I need to adjust in that position. And, and, and I know with me, my quality, you know, of, of my uh, food, I can uh, make an assist at any time. And sometimes I have to, you know, Kick the corner kicks, the set pieces. I was there when when the team needed me. 
Now, Mark was on the radio recently and he was kind of just talking about the future and and your role possibly in it. And he said it, it, it's a difficult time at the moment because everyone knows what you can do in MLS as a striker. But with the system that he's wanting to play, he's not 100% sure that you are the, the striker for that and you might want to be like a false nine or a false ten. Is that something that you would be happy with or do you still see yourself as being an out-and-out striker? Well, um, uh, it didn't work when, when we wanted to play 4-3-3 and, and the striker that we had this season, uh, we scored the least amount of goals in, in our career and we have a striker that didn't score a single goal during the season, which is uh, not good you know, for, for your uh, career. But... Uh, uh, if if he's saying that uh, my role is going to change next year as, as a number 10, a number, uh, as a second striker, uh, I would be happy to play there. Um, I had no problem. I know what I, why I'm capable of. And uh, obviously, it's about the formation. Uh, I don't see myself playing 4 3 3. And uh, the second striker, there is no space for a second striker. But uh, if we play 4 4 2, or four two three one. That's a different uh, talk that we have uh, in in the field. And uh, yes, it depends on on uh, on the new uh, formation that we're gonna approach next year. The, the end of this season, you were kind of more on a sub role. You were kind of like a super sub. You were coming on. You were really making an impact. From us watching, it was great to see you doing that because you, you were back to looking at, at your sharpest. Obviously, you've still got a, a number of years left in your career. You don't want to be a, a substitute role, but did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy having that kind of impact sub? No, no. Obviously, I, I want to play. I'm a 90 minutes player. I came from Europe to to MLS because I still uh, reject some offers in, in Europe, but I felt that, that that was the right moment to come back to MLS because I want stability for my family. I wanted to be in Pacific Northwest. And that's why I'm back. Uh, obviously, um, I'm always looking forward, you know, for the next uh, season to be better than this one. And uh, I was told that the last game there were players that needed to show themselves to be able, you know, to get to to the next uh, contract because they were in the last, or they have an option for the team that that they they wanted to be sure if if they were going to get pick up. And uh, yeah, my role as a as a sub uh, in the last game was uh, a reason was was part of that reason that that I was told. But I mean, I know that uh, it didn't mean that much. Yeah. But when I came in, I was always 100% committed to the club. Uh, I am thankful to all the people that that made possible for me to come back, and I always play for them. You know, so. Uh, it's not about uh, being selfish. I've always been a team player and, and I want to show that to other players in this team and even the young players that are looking forward to be here next year. The, when you did get the, the, the goals late on, you, your celebrations, it was kind of, it was like, it was like you were almost doing see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Is that what the celebrations were or yeah. what was behind it? Yeah, believe it or not, that, uh, you have people close to you, people around you that always uh, make comments, and uh, they just want to bring 
reaction from from whatever is happening in inside the field and for me it didn't change my my uh, way that I come here every day and train I always wanted to you know give my best the coach decision was to you know uh, play those 11 uh, guys uh, teammates that, that that they were starting against but uh, when I come in I try to help them so uh, I you know I want to be myself I don't want to hear I don't want to uh, see anything that was coming from the outside uh, to myself and, and trying to be involved on, on, you know, in drama around the team, on drama around the league because uh, that's the least uh, that I want for this organization. It did happen in the past and I don't want that to happen when I am here. Yeah. Uh, last thing about this season then and, and looking forward, you talked about stability and coming back here. Yeah. Obviously you've, you've got your business and everything here now as well. Do you know what MLS is like? Players can just get traded without having any indication that, that they're getting traded. Would that be disappointing for you if you find yourself suddenly traded to the East Coast without really knowing much about it? Yeah, yeah. I don't see myself going to a different place. I know, I know um, I have a, a pass uh, in one of the best organizations in the league and I'm a a legend, I would say. I, I don't like to call that, but uh, yeah, in, in one of the biggest organizations, and and uh, I know that if I have to go somewhere, um, uh, the other coach is not my final destination. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Freddie. Always a pleasure speaking to you, and just enjoy the rest in the, of the off season. Thanks so much, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Freddy effing Montero there. Club legend. He, he is a legend in Seattle. It's like, folk might poo-poo that, but I mean, with what he did there, he's still thought of so highly. If he ever wants to go back there, they'll welcome him with open arms. Vancouver, where they hire their their closest rivals legends and see them play worse for them. As I've said, I don't care where someone's played before as long as when they put on a white cap shirt. They do it for the Whitecaps, and I've had players in, in my teams over the years. I've hated them when they've played for a rival. As soon as they become playing for my team, as long as they play with their heart and play for the badge, that's all I care about. I, I, I genuinely really like Freddie. I think he's a great scorer. I think he was completely misused this this season. We did not see the best of him. Um... Yeah, I mean, do you, do so you see comple- him? completely misused? So you think he should be starting? I don't think the formation was great. Be- I don't think we could have got the best out of him because the midfield was not creating. I don't think four three three ideally suits him. Yeah. If you've got such a weak midfield, which we did, if you've got him playing up front, you need three five two four four two. Four one four one something like that that's giving him support, giving him creativity. And, okay, maybe misuse was a little bit harsh, but he did not have the supporting cast around him that was going to bring the best out of him this year. Yeah, but he didn't, he didn't in 2017 either, did he? He got the ball more in 2017, yeah, so he right. could create 
more. They weren't even getting the ball to him th- this year, I, I feel. And uh, MDS has talked about the future, and he's, he was asked about Freddie, I think it was on, the, on Fine Lines on Sportsnet, and he said that if he stays, he might have to play as a false nine, a ten, something that isn't an out-and-out striker, and he knows that Freddie still wants to be and believes he can be an out-and-out striker, and I think he can as well. And I think he's shown that before, but he can also play good as a second striker. And I don't see that fitting in if MDS wants to play a 4-3-3, which he's kind of indicating is going to be his his formation of choice. I don't know. As as players get older, you say they you know they lose a half a step. For him, it felt like he lost a full step or a full step and a half, uh, regardless of whether or not the the playing style and the support was there for him. I I, I agree. We definitely didn't see the the best of him this year at all. Do you see him being here come first kick? Oh, he has a contract. But do you see him being here? Contracts can change. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see them moving him. No. I'd like him to be here, and if we can find that great role for him. I know he doesn't want to do this. I him as a super sub coming off the bench and scoring, I'd love that. You just want his coffee. That as well. I just want to keep <laughs> doing my Freddie Effing Montero tweets as well. The t shirts are on their way. Coming from China. I think they'll be your Christmas presents from last year. <laughs> that never ever arrived, incidentally. I need to talk to you about Christmas this year as well. But Are yeah. we are we upping the budget again? Oh we could up the budget, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we we can agree that. Steve's not here. It's a two to one vote, even if he says no. One uh, one million now? Oh, yeah. Or is that the designated president? Well, I'll, I'll buy your present down with Tam. <laughs> or Cam, Christmas allocation money. A, a new striker's clearly going to come in. So where does that leave him? And there's, we talked last week about buying down his salary. And I actually want, want to touch on that because I was speaking to the Caps this week about it. So the information I was given from someone within the club was... They were talking about buying down Wong, Adnan, and Freddie, and bringing in three DPs. And how, how many six tickets were they trying to sell you? Well, what I've subsequently been told is the chat was more speculation <laughs> and a misunderstanding. It was a speculation about what could happen after the CBA. Right. Because right now... They're not able to buy down Ali Adnan's contract. They're not able to buy down in bombs either. But with the way that TAM changes and how much you can buy contracts down to, and we don't know what his contract's going to be next year, that one could be easier bought down. But right now, Ali Adnan's cannot be bought down. But the so pro- there's not three DPs coming in. But the problem with that is... We're not the LA Galaxy. If you go yet. by the last CBA, wasn't it like signed like days before the season started? Mm. Right? Was it yeah. not? And the current one does expire at the end of January. Yeah. And from reading some stuff this week, focused talking up the strike talk again. Right. Which would be which would be interesting for the you know, the Whitecaps whole uh trying to just hold on to some of their season ticket holders by making a promise that by the end of January <laughs> the end of January they'll have done enough things to So they they have to they have to be operating under some kind of whether it's the current CBA or, you know, 
budgeting for five percent increase to the overall the overall thing and just living with the old rules for um gam tam whatever they have to be operating within something in, in order to prepare for next year. They can't wait till no, yeah. Because like, yeah, it, so but so right, it, right now there's not three DPs come in. Is is basically no. what I'm saying. Yeah, there's so no. That's what I was initially led to believe they were looking to do. That's the, not to say there's some good, not going to be some good players coming in. There's going to be some TAM players and GAM players. It's just they will not have the DP tag, which in a lot of ways I don't mind because I do think that's a milestone around their necks anyway. Yeah, the there's lots of people in the Whitecaps front office who wanted you to believe that they are really great at running a football club. So don't be fooled by by them, Michael. I never am. <laughs> Freddie finished up training camp this week. He's been given the last week off, so this was his last week. So it was good to to talk to him. I think he'll be back. I expect him to be back. I hope he's going to be back. He's going to be joined by a lot of new faces, and maybe some of them are some faces that are away just now with Canada at the Under-17 World Cup. Because there, there's six Whitecaps prospects away. And we, we've talked on the show about Fashionary, the centre-back. He's a guy that I think at some point is likely to get a contract. Captain, right? Captain of Canada. Started the game yesterday. Him, Demian and Peaceisle were the three of the six Whitecaps that started. So because they didn't start all six, they didn't play well and they lost 4-1. That's what I put it down. To host Brazil. To right? the host Brazil. Yeah. Did you watch the game? No, I fast forwarded through this I was, one. I was watching other football. The day before I tweeted out Wikipedia, someone had amended it to say that Canada had lost the first game 4 0. <laughs> and when it was 4 0 late on, I'm thinking, is this guy a time traveller? <laughs> is it fixed or what? Is it Marty McFly or Biff? It, it was scary. That this guy had such premonitions. I was already getting in touch with the guy to try and get the lottery numbers. But then Canada did did get a goal, assisted by Cameron Habibula, who I finally said his name right. He came on as a second-half sub, looked good, should have started, get rid of all these TFC guys, especially some of the defenders who were responsible for the goals. Were you just using this as a segue? You don't think any of these guys are the answer to... It was a segue. Okay, okay. I don't think they're the answer me. to our problems. Yeah, you scared but me. I, I do genuinely see uh, Cameron Habibula and Gianfranco Fashionieri probably getting a contract at some point down the line. Yeah, I could see that. But Canada did lose their first game 4-1. Simply were that's not a, at the races that, for a lot of it. That, it was a very good a, Brazil team. Yeah, you're playing against host Brazil. Yeah. The I don't want to look too much just to how far Canada looked behind because it was Brazil. They play Angola and then New Zealand. Yes, those are the games. Angola beat New Zealand. Isn't it top three get out of the... Or top two go, two go through, through and then it's third, uh, yeah. third place finishes and stuff like that. So good luck to Canada in the, the next two games. We'll talk a little bit about that next Sunday. Michael will be watching because it's on TSN. Of course, it's actually on TV. Oh yes, because we never got to mention that. I completely missed that in the first part. Second leg of the CPL game is only on one soccer being shown at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time on CBC. Is that official? Because I saw somewhere else where it was like listed. That's what they advertised after the game yesterday, unless okay. they put the wrong graphic up. Okay. I saw somewhere else. I saw somewhere I saw somewhere. If it's not, I, forgot, if, I, didn't, if it, I didn't verify. If it is only on one soccer, the second leg, that's shocking. And you really have to question, what are they thinking? I think it was because CBC had a... It'll probably be curling. Tournament of Hearts, Scott Tournament of Hearts. I don't know, some, something was on. 
If it was darts, I'd understand it. But or boxing, curling, or boxing. Did you, tartan tornado? Did you? Yeah, the, the unified champ. Michael sent me a text about the, the tartan tornado, yeah. and I said dart. It's like boxing. I, was, I assumed it was darts because I had, I thought I saw darts on the zone. Josh Taylor, we'll get him on the show. He's oh. a football fan. Trying to widen our horizons, we've got five months and a and a strike to kill. <laughs> two hours, although we're doing quite well. We're already overrunning our first two parts tonight, but we're going to be back with part three. MLS chat, and that's going to be with you after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Wind shivers through the house, every single servant left. Then the whiskey bottle shattered, life of the death just doesn't matter. Life of the death just doesn't matter. Shadows crawling on the wall, noises from the shadow rooms. I was mad, it's a hatter Life after death just doesn't matter Life after death just doesn't matter I'm living in a haunted house I'm living in a haunted house I'm living in a haunted house I'm scared in a haunted house We get out to investigate Down the creaky staircase The clock strikes midnight Life after death just can't be right Life after death just can't be right A presence very near to me A shiver in the backbone Out goes the light Life after death just can't be right Life after death just can't be right I'm living in a haunted house I'm living in a haunted house I'm living in a haunted house I'm scared in a haunted house Ghost Moog. That's what we're going to call this week's show. That was Fun Boy 5 with Life After Death. Do you know what year that was really, Sack? 1979. Yes. Well done. I didn't know you knew your, your punk and new wave music as well. I don't, but I know you. Ah, yeah. That is actually purely coincidental because we played this song last Halloween as well. I just really like it. And of course, it was played for Halloween because this is the Halloween episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, a broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. Ha, 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 ha. I'm a count. Several folk have told me that over the years. I think that's what they said. Yeah, our Halloween special. So, I'm going to kick off this part with something that we've done on the website a lot. We we do our team of the week. And I'll be honest, I've completely ripped this off from a, a Scottish football radio show called Off The Ball that's celebrating its 25-year anniversary this year. I've been on the show in the past. And it's, a, it's on before the day's football and then after the day's football as well. What they really should have us doing. I've done it a little bit differently than what, what Off The Ball do. What they do is they, they have a, a topic and then they get folk to text or email in their suggestions. So most folk listen to this on the podcast. So it, it doesn't work if we do it live on the show usually. Unless we open the lines. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's after midnight, the witching hour. So who knows who's going to call in. But I do it. In a different way to them. They take any players, football players from around the world, but primarily Scottish football, for the topic. So, for example, 
if it was the the pasta I live in, it would be something like rigatoni uh, cascarino, stuff like that. So I, what I decided to do when we did the written ones on the website was I did it for MLS players, but I did it as an actual team with a formation. So we had a goalkeeper and like a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3, 3-4-3, something like that, just a little bit different. So what I thought would be a little bit of fun is I've done a Halloween 11, but for all, all of MLS, but I've not done a solely Whitecaps team of the week, team of the season, and the Halloween season. Are you including Candy O'Brien? He was going to make it, but I've got him on the bench. What about David? He's a bit old now. What about David Ghosted? David Ghosted nearly made it as well, but he is a sub. Oh. So he, in goals, instead of David Ghosted, I've got Maxime Creepy. I've also gone for a, a three-five-two formation. Oh, that's uh, like is that a fortune telling there? Yeah, the the back three. So I thought Candy O'Brien. He's a little bit old to make the back three. So instead, I've gone for Ken Doll. Hallows Eve, Waston, Tom Parker, David Dedger. <laughs> the midfield on the right side, Fraser Scared. Some folk maybe say he played like that a little bit with the Whitecaps. <laughs> Gooley Win. Remember him? Oh, I do. Still searching for his TV. Yeah. Gershon Coffin, Russ Hell Tiber, Breck Banshee. <laughs> and up front, fan Tommy Heineman, air trick or treat Hasley. <laughs> Who do you think is going to be the manager? Oh, uh, something with Martin Rennie, I'm guessing. No, I actually promoted his assistant, Paul Witchy. Oh, there. <laughs> Should have seen that one coming. Yeah. There's no counts. No. I thought for sure it would be... If there, if there was going to be a kind, it would be Tommy Soane would probably come in and, and, and take Paul Witch's job. <laughs> you can think of any players for the Whitecaps Halloween 11. Let us know on Twitter at AFD in Canada. We started this section off, which feels like a long time ago. I don't know how we've overrun. It's like baffling to me. But we started off a long time ago with playing Life After Death from Fun Boy 5, talking about being in a haunted house. Have you, have you ever been in a haunted house? No. I don't know if I have or not. I used to like the ghost train when I used to go to carnivals and stuff as a kid. Never been to the thing at Playland, the no. Fright, Fright Nights. Nights. Yep, yeah. never been to that. Have booked something, though, for our anniversary. We're doing a special Tim Burton-themed uh, dead walking tour at Bowment Studios. Check that out, bowmentstudios.com. It looks absolutely fantastic. If you're a fan of Tim Burton films... Looks good. The kid-friendly ones are going to be earlier on in the evening as well, so well worth the 30 bucks I think I've spent. My wife's going to have the willies put up her that night for sure. Happy anniversary, darling. <laughs> but yeah, how, haunted houses can be scary. But do you know what else is scary? The thought of another Seattle mm-hmm. TFC MLS Cup final. Could happen. Fingers crossed it doesn't. They've got a good chance of both teams, I think, of pulling this off. In this part, we're going to look at the, the Eastern Conference. So we'll just rattle through that. No one cares about the Eastern Conference. It's like East. West is best. Everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah, the East won it the last two years, but that's fine. We got the MLS Conference Finals or the Conference Semi-Finals this past week, and they weren't quite as exciting as the first round matches, but they were enjoyable 
nonetheless. Did, did you watch the games? I hope so. We're going to talk about them. I saw live. I saw part of one, but I was working for all the rest. But I've seen highlights. Yeah, it, it, some good read stuff. Read about them, listened. Yeah, games on a Wednesday and Thursday night. It's an interesting choice to make. And I know why they've made it, because they, they have to cram these playoff games in before the next international break. But you've got two Saturdays, two weekends now with no games. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't make any sense at all. The late kickoffs, especially the LA Derby, that had the potential, if it went all the way, to finish at about one o'clock Eastern time, or maybe even later, was like crazy. And the Wednesday night games didn't clash. Well, it clashed actually with the World Series, but the Thursday night game clashed with NFL. So The World it, Series of Poker? Obviously. There's only one World Series. World Series, where people from around the world take part. <laughs> More than one country. So yeah, World Series of Poker. <laughs> but the Thursday clashed with the... NFL Thursday night game. Was there another solution? Should they have played these games at the weekend and gone up against, say, NFL on a Sunday and stuff like that? There's the danger, of course, though, that stadiums were double booked. So Seattle maybe couldn't have got into Century Link or something. So you've always got that danger. But for me, unless you're going to make every team play in soccer-specific stadiums, which I'm all for, I think they kind of maybe had to go for some midweek ones. But I don't know. It is a little bit awkward, but this is the first go around with this format. So I like the format apart from this, but yeah. I just don't think it's ideal for getting it's weird because away the game, fans out as well. Because the games are this week on was Wednesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tuesday, this Wednesday, week, right this which week. is avoiding Halloween at least. Yeah, which they have not done in the past. No, I was hoping TFC were going to play on Halloween and get absolutely hammered, her horror show, something like that. But sadly not. But let's look at the East. The Eastern final is going to be a battle between the last two MLS Cup winners. Atlanta are hosting TFC. They're making me cheer for Atlanta. No one really wants to cheer for Atlanta. I figure you're cheering for Atlanta because they have a German on their team. Uh, and Breck Shea, even though he's not playing. <laughs> They'll get him a ring. Pamukka will get him a I'm ring. I'm still waiting for our MLS Cup <laughs> ring for, for winning it in April. Remember we won the MLS Cup in April? No, you... It's a throwback to the... Right. Yeah. We were champions once. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah. That's what we're telling our season ticket holders when we phone up. We, we won the MLS Cup in April. Hope you're happy. EFTN confirmed it. But TFC got into the Eastern Conference final with what has to be said was an impressive 2-1 win over regular season Eastern Conference champs NYCFC, Pozuelo double. And I'm only saying impressive. Well, yeah, I was going to say, how can you call that game impressive? They got the job done. That's why I'm calling it impressive. Uh, they, they dominated possession on the from, first half. You, you live in Vancouver, so the bar is so low. They outshot NYCFC 6-1 to one in the first they half. They were gifted two goals. They were very much I did Actually, I did goals. watch this game. I did watch this game. That was... We're, I mean, we're talking horror and Halloween and oh, this thing. That was shocker. horrific and shocking defending. That would not have looked out of place in a in a Wes Craven film. Here, Toronto. He, well, let's just pass the ball to your number ten. Allow him to yeah. walk in alone. And yeah. at the end of the game, we'll just we'll just cut down one of your players in the box and give you a penalty. That the first goal. I mean, that header. It was neither an attempt to go back to the keeper <laughs> or a clearance. I have no idea what he was thinking of doing. Maxime Chanot, straight into the path of Pasuelo in the back of the net. One 0 NYCFC. Fought back, I give out a big cheer, looked like it was going to extra time, and then, what on earth was Matarita doing? Richie Laria goes past him, you don't make a tackle like that 
in any game in the box. But in the closing minutes yeah. of a semi-final, a one-and-done game, absolutely shocking. He looked devastated, and rightly so. It devastated that, his own decision-making. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. And there was no question. There was no, like, no, no VAR was going to overturn that. And like, then Pensuelo, balls of steel, a Penenka. Penenka in the middle, yeah. That, that is ballsy. Had flashbacks to Ali Adnan. <laughs> really hope he wasn't watching that. <laughs> He's been in Turkey this week watching games. What games? Some game in Turkey. Oh, okay. Let's start the Turkey rumours now. But, yeah, Pesuela, big balls. Finished, 2-1, TFC through. Have to say, Richie Laria. Yeah, good week for him. He has had a great season. What a great pickup. He's on, like, league minimum. He's been very good offensively. Good for Canada. We finally got a a right back. Him on the right, Fonzie on the left. What a defence. Funzi's a left back. He, did he not play there for Bayern yesterday? In his, Ma- his, his first Bundes- ever Bundesliga, Bundesliga debut. See, sometimes they do pay a- attention to the Germans. They gave away a penalty too, but he sort of set up a goal. I heard though he was a little bit, I don't want to say apprehensive, but he, he was maybe not as attack-minded as we would expect. Yeah. Maybe held back a little bit. Photo shoot's over. Oh. The party's over. Everyone's, well, well, everyone's, everyone's leaving. Maybe they didn't like our MLS talk. <laughs> MLS is not for everyone. <laughs> I've crossed the line, they've left. <laughs> TFC, they're now going to travel to face Atlanta, who got by Philly fairly comfortably in the end, it's got to be said. Des- despite a narrowish 2 0 score line, they were pretty much in control. They needed an 80th minute Joseph Martinez goal to kill the game off. Philly had their chances. Is Bedoya injured? Is he not fully fit? He was playing. I know he's playing, but... Oh, he didn't look like he was playing. Yeah, he just... Yeah. Well, the, they've got Kasper Prisbilko, talking about big Germans. He's out. Big loss for them. 15 goals in the year for Philly. Hasn't played... He injured his foot in the warm-up in the last game of the season that ruled him off the entire playoffs, and they missed him. If they'd had him, it might have been different. But I think Atlanta that's, that's true, had but enough to get by. Totally, that's true. But Bedoya also, as their kind of leader, yeah, seemed I, off. I mean, it, it was another great atmosphere in Atlanta. We've seen it so much across the league in the playoffs. The newer teams, they bring in great atmospheres. Minnesota brought it, LAFC, Atlanta. Now, you might just say they're new. They're not jaded. They've not been stuck in MLS. You could also say... They spent money. They're, they've, they've actually got a decent team in the pitch. They've ambitious on. clubs, yeah. Yeah. They've got front offices that actually are wanting to go deep into the playoffs. It's an atmosphere, though, I crave for here in Vancouver. And, I mean, you can say it's hard to cheer for a team that shows no ambition, a team that doesn't attack at home, a team when we get playoffs, play nil-nil games, all that kind of stuff. How the stadium's set up as well. We're going to have general admission now next year. But you look at these stadiums and it feels like it's the entire stadium that's bouncing and taking part in these chants. And I don't know if we'll well see that kind of stuff here in Vancouver or am I just being overly cynical? Do you, do you think we can get a stadium-wide buzz like that if we have a team to be proud of and to have that buzz about? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen in Vancouver anytime soon. Um that's obviously would be nice and I think what a number of people are aiming for. But 
with Vancouver, the problems are yeah are on the field, but they're off the field. Like there's there's issues that are there that just are hard for people to see past and get past, right? Like all the stuff that happened this year, a lot of those things that happened this year aren't fully haven't been fully dealt with. So as much as as yeah, much as the we're wo- still waiting for this this report in the women's scandal, yeah, and it's supposedly you know as soon as it's done, it'll be shared or whatever. But so it's not just it's not just having a, a good team. There's these other things off the field that they have to show, and and with some of them, it's like, will they be able to show that they can overcome those things before the end of January? That that's a yeah, an but, unfortunate uh, question, which I don't know if well, people will get I mean, answered. I'm, I'm talking though about getting the whole stadium, the more casual fan in, and most of the casual fans, to be honest, don't give two shits about all the scandals and stuff. I'm not saying uh, rightly or wrongly. I, I, no, I think this year that I think that changed. There's maybe a bit more than in the past, but I do feel that most of them. I, I think a lot the of their. Teams. I think a lot of their season ticket holders cared. Mm. You're right, Joe. Joe public on the street. Yeah, Susie public on the street. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's maybe a better way. But to, but to I, their it. season ticket holders, I think, cared. Yeah, and I think they heard that. Uh, but. Oh yeah. When when the will they get this report out before the end of January? I think they need to. Oh, I think they have to. It has if, to come if, out this year. If they don't, then I think that hinders their self-imposed extended dead you know uh, money back guarantee deadline. Yeah. Because um, they could be waiting until the last could, week of training's over, and then there's no media around training and stuff as well. But that's just me being you, really cynical. You don't. Yeah, you don't want to be cynical, but they've done things like that before. Um, and then Mark will be away, you know, scouting and everything. Yeah. Uh, He's away just now. He's down in South America. There you go. Comes back soon. Hopefully with a few players oh. in his hand luggage. Um, well, maybe well, not hand luggage because yeah. then they'll be like Christian 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 Tichera, Tichera yeah. size. Um, but no, so there's there's all that that needs to get like like figured out. In terms of what you're saying about getting the whole stadium, I think uh, – I think having the unified supporter GA is hopefully a good genesis for that, where you everyone's coming together, and hopefully that will help with having one song being sung. Uh, and and I, <laughs> I know some people swearing. I know some people listening to this are being like, "Yeah, well, Zach isn't. Aren't you one of the reasons why there was more than one one song sung?" And I, I've written about this. It's on AFTN. There was a reason for that. And I th- but the the season for that the, the time period for that is over, and it's time to bring everyone back together. And yeah, hopefully that can be the start of uh, of getting the whole stadium going together. Hopefully you're all wearing your unity strips next year, <laughs> which of course, are, ironically, they're replacing just as you're becoming more unified. Well, hopefully the uni- unification in the general mission section is better than the unity, uh, yeah. as demonstrated by the sides that. Well, were hopefully that strip. we do get the better atmosphere that I I certainly crave. It's going to be lit in Atlanta on Wednesday. You got to get out of the press box and come and be a part of it. I would last one game with my potty mouth. I would get banned from BC Place for life. How do you see Wednesday going? Who have you got? Atlanta or TFC? I'll set it up. <laughs> TFC have only lost one of their six meetings with Atlanta. That was a 2 0 away loss. This me. TFC won the return at home 3-2 with a stoppage time Persuela penalty. So who you got? It's, I think one of the things for Toronto that's key or potentially the key for Toronto is uh, Josie Altidore. 
and is he mm. actually fit? They, they had him like tweeting out or whatever that he was in New York or whatever, um, just to maybe put people off until the, the, the lineup came up and he wasn't in the 18. Um, that's a good way. I like, I like mind games. Yeah, I, that's fine. Um, I think if he is fit and he can play a role in the game, uh, I think that bodes well for Toronto. And Atlanta has proven this year that, uh, yeah, proved this year that they're not, uh, it, I mean, they're they're not as good as they were last year, obviously, in some ways, I think, right? Like, they, aren't, yeah. they haven't been as dominant. So I, they're beatable. And so I think if Josie plays, there's a chance that Toronto has. However, I think it's more likely that Atlanta repeats something similar to that score and the score they had against Philadelphia with like a 2-0 a or maybe a 3-1 or or three, two one or th- kind of kind of game. Now this pains me greatly to say this. I have TFC winning in extra time. I just what's the score? Two one. Who scores? Persuela double. And, it's and, an easy thing. No, and, and actually, what? Persuela will get one, and I think Osorio will get the winner. Oh, okay, and uh, who gets the one for Atlanta? Joseph. Joseph. All right. It was good. Nice to see uh, Julian Gressel score from. Yeah. Nice, nice finish too. Yes, the reason I'm nice. going for TFC, and I'm going to bring this up now because it's it's apt now, and I could bring it up when we're talking about Seattle in the next part. But this was something I was speaking to Freddie about. Not during the interview, we were just having a a, a kind of chat before. Off the record with the Colombian, having a, a friendly chat with my coffee chum. We obviously did the chocolate digestive thing because it turned out I'd never done the chocolate digestive oh. section with, with Freddie the last time. But no, we're just having a general chat and we're talking about the playoffs. And I said, oh, I'm thinking about maybe going down to Seattle tomorrow because I'd like to be there for Romando's last game. <laughs> and he's like, wow, you've got a lot of faith in Seattle. And I was like, yeah, they build playoff teams. And that's the thing. Them and TFC, they build playoff teams. Both of those rivals build teams not just to squeak into the postseason but to go deep and it's frustrating as hell to see year after year these teams these rivals as ours Cascadian rivals Canadian rivals doing that the last four finals has seen at least one of our Cascadian or Canadian rivals in it TFC twice Seattle twice Portland, Portland twice. twice all with one MLS Cup win so you it's want just to see, you want more agonizing. Of it. You want more of it, more of the pain. I want way less of the pain, and for the Whitecaps to the, get in. The one interesting comment is is who will the Whitecaps people trumpet as their role models when the final four are all those who are showing ambition in terms of yeah. their actual spending. You can still make the playoffs with a team that doesn't spend. You can still go quite far yeah. in the playoffs with a team that doesn't spend. Yeah, how much money you got in your pocket? You can get a lottery yeah. ticket too, Michael. But to go. The extra mile, it certainly looks like MLS, you need to, to have one or two difference makers. It doesn't guarantee success. You've got Zlatan on big bucks, LA Galaxy's out. They didn't even make it last year with him. And we're going to come to talk about the Western Conference after this. Darkness fall across the land, the midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures clawed in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood and whosoever shall be found. Without the soul for getting down, you must be standing face the bounds of hell. 
and a rot inside of a coarse shell, the foulest stench in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly growls from every tomb are closing in to share your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no more mere mortal can exist. The evil of the thriller. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory, the University of Beautiful British Columbia. Pamudaka, he's Pamudaka. He's he could also actually make Car. our Halloween Whitecaps 11. Pamadou Cackle. And he cackled at the end there. Because if anyone didn't know, that was former Whitecap Pamadou Car. Yep, we went back to Halloween 2017 there. The wonderful Pamadou Car, who recorded that Vincent Price bit from Michael Jackson's thriller for us. I still love that. It's one of the favourite things that we've recorded. We've got a video up that Steve put together with like animation and stuff. I'll tweet that out on Halloween as well, so check that out as well. Before that, for those not only listening to the podcast, is it just me or did you run that Celine Dion promo twice? No. <laughs> I played it once. <laughs> huh. Oh, man. Why the long face? <laughs> Anyway, all the horse talk was reserved for cavalry in the first part of the show. <laughs> this is all about thrillers. We had Pamidou Ka. Wait, who is a horse fan? <laughs> like she. Oh. <laughs> that is so mean. Yeah, it's so cruel of you. Kind of. Well, no, he, was, he was more an ass man. <laughs> Remember that photo of him and his wife? Laying on the hay? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful ass. I... I Always said I'd love to see your wife's ass someday. Okay, the, the make, make, a, make a note the, that you're with the donkey. <laughs> yeah, the donkey, obviously. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and he said, I, I asked him that a lot, to be fair. And then he, one day he said to Nathan, he keeps asking me the same question. And Nathan went, Yeah, he all, he all, he always asks me that. <laughs> This is why we're at 12.47 and we're only in part four. It's an eight-part show today, right? Yeah, I, I said, oh, I'm just going to do a short show tonight because there's not tons to talk about. And Steve's not here. Look yeah. what happens when yeah. Steve's not here. Yeah, the buttons work perfectly. <laughs> and the pronunciation. The pronunciations are better. We love you, Steve. Get well soon. Keep sucking that fisherman's friend. Anyway, let's get back to thrillers. Because... The Western Conference semi-finals produced a thriller. And before we get into that, because forget the game on Wednesday, no one cares about that. That was Seattle. They beat RSL. Yeah, so what? Nikki's last game. Before we get talking about the LA Derby, we need to get to the bottom of one important question. What was the more exciting playoff derby for you in MLS? That LA one on Thursday night 
or Vancouver v Seattle at BC Place in 2017? Yeah, probably uh, Toronto, Montreal. Oh. That home and away. Was... You enjoyed that more than the El Trafico? I hate that, but... Yeah. Uh, the Seattle-Portland ones have been good, too, even though I know they've been good to be at. I know they weren't the, as exciting on the pitch, but to be at those was A lot of folks said Portland-Kansas City, the game that went to penalties was... Oh, the double post. Yeah, it was a... Yeah, was was a, a great one. There has been some really good playoff games over the time. I thoroughly enjoyed the LA Derby on Thursday night. I I so was really the, looking forward to it. So I was quite hyped up for it. And to me, it l- went even beyond what I was expecting. So you're not a fan of like defending whatsoever? No, it's overrated. You're a fan of um, poor goalkeeping? Oh, love poor goalkeeping. <laughs> dodgy, Big dodgy fan keeper. of Brad Knight. He didn't make Knighton. He didn't make your. No, I guess he could be Knight on the Living Dead. Brad Knight on the Living Dead. Hmm. We'll work on that one. I I just thought I had a bit of everything. I do like def- when it's not my team. I like defensive mistakes. It's great to watch. It makes for a good game. I do feel though both teams maybe should look at their budget next year and go. You know what? Maybe we do have enough attacking players. A defense would be nice to spend some money on once in a while. LA Galaxy desperately need it. We put four goals past the LA Galaxy. That should have been a warning sign for them that they hadn't a very good defence. Several times during that LA Derby, I thought, okay, it's all done and dusted now. <laughs> LAFC are through. Only for the Galaxy to not lie down, come back, and like whatever you think of the Galaxy and how they managed to get past all the rules and get five DP players on the books... Got to give a hat to They deserve a whole lot of credit for just keeping going and making a hell of a game of that. Yeah, they had a bit of a never-say-die attitude. But you're right, they were just not good enough defensively. Carlos Vela had LAFC two up by the 40th minute, but let's talk about that second goal. It was so clearly offside, it was so obviously offside, My- that VAR would be like, that's clear and obvious. Yeah, how could, what do you mean? It's not offside if VAR doesn't call it offside, Michael. How can you review that and miss that? What is the point of VAR? Did you see what Zlatan said? I, well, we have Zlatan coming up, right, actually. Sorry, but yeah. yeah, I did. I hear what Zlatan said. But what, what in particular? Uh, was it not the, something about the... the f- you figure with VAR we can get this right. You know, not four officials. We have five officials. But then he said it's maybe a bit of a problem when the fifth official is hanging out with Magic Johnson. Yeah, having a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. We've got that in the audio yeah. we're going to play from Slatten. Slatten spoke for nine and a half minutes after the match. Longest ever? I, possibly. For an after-game thing. Three or four times during it, he said he was quite salty during it. I wanted to play the whole nine and a half minutes on the show, but I've oh. cut it down to three. Are you going to play it on the podcast? Probably not. But he did. Three or four times during it, he said, why are you talking to me? The winning team's over there. And then that just all played into... Four being really sycophantic as well, because it's like, oh, no, we want to talk to you. Oh, you're great and stuff. So that's... He he had a big comment after this, but which we'll hear. But let's come back to Slatten. But yeah, how can you miss that? It's ridiculous. The referee apparently said afterwards he didn't get the call to go over and look at it. (laughs) So that's why he didn't go over and look at it. That is absolutely Un- Unexcusable. Totally. Absolutely, totally. Pavon, though, pulled a goal back a minute later. And Fokker's saying, oh, that, that goal changed the whole match. I don't think Pavon would have got the goal if that goal had been ruled out. 
it would still have been 1-0. Yeah. So 2-1, I don't think, made any difference because the whole change and the game play would have changed and he wouldn't have had that chance from kick-off and that's, all that kind that's of That's why stuff. these decisions are so important. Yeah. But Zlatan then, second half, goalkeeper Howler, in a match where both keepers had some horrible moments and had some good saves as well. But, ah, totally inexcusable. That, I, I think I could have saved that myself. Yeah. Steve, it's, Steve would have had it for sure. I don't know. He's a keeper. I saw him in the media match. I scored a goal past him. In the media match? Yeah. He denies it. He said it to a deflection. But it was my goal. Well, deflection doesn't take a goal away. Mm. Wait, deflected off his own team like I was a defender? I can't remember what happened there, but he said it wasn't me, but I'm, I'm saying it was. Yeah, I think he would have had the, that one in the LA. It was Garden. absolutely terrible. And it was game on. And I genuinely thought the Galaxy were so in the ascendancy that they were going to do it and that they were going to come back. LAFC had never beaten the Galaxy in their previous meetings and I thought it was just going to be fate. It's just they were never going to do it. But then a two-minute spell, Rossi, Diamandi, it's 4-2, and you're like, oh, well, that's it over now. Nope. Felcher sucked that winning feeling <laughs> off them. 13 minutes remaining, 4-3. <clears throat> Game back on. There you go. Three minutes later, though, Diamandi hits the fifth, 5-3. <clears throat> there was more pressure. Galaxy got an offside call. Zlatan had the ball in the net. It was clearly offside. LAFC went through. blah de blah de blah That was the game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would have liked extra time and penalties just for the drama, but I, I, I could have got more out of it, and then there was some magic afterwards as well. Oh, yeah. Did, did you see Bob Bradley? No, but I heard about it. Get lost. Absolutely stupid question from Salazar. Basically, say uh, Carlos Vela's had his critics, did this silence him tonight? The only critics he's really had are Mexican media who criticise him because he never did anything in Mexico. And they don't look at MLS as a good league. It was a stupid question. Maybe you could have got by with asking it in the week following. Uh but at that moment in yeah. time, and I know Bob Bradley can be a bit of an ass at times, and he just looks for the chance for you to say something stupid, and then he pounces on it. But that was a and stupid Didn't he give like his death question. stare after that? Oh, the stare afterwards. Yeah. He so wanted to go back, and he started to go back because yeah. he had more to say. And then something in his brain went, leave it, Bob, leave it, leave it. And then he just walked away and just, just looked at him. Oh, it was wonderful. But my other favourite post-game moment was Latin was coming off, and a guy in a kind of... Lucha Libra mask was obviously saying things to him and Zlatan just grabbed his cock in front of him and kind of went oh oh yeah I heard about that too yeah and then just walked off I just thought that was fantastic and he was asked about it after the match and this isn't in the audio that we're going to play and he's like oh did did you think it was an intimidating atmosphere and he's like there's 20,000 people here I've played in front of 80,000 people this is like a walk in the park for me. Playing in stadiums like this, it's like training. I love him. He's just so in his own little world. And there's nothing there. wrong with that. No. It's, I genuinely it's, cannot that, that, is that, a, that is a stupid thing to ask him. That, like, only a fool would ask him that kind of question. Yeah. And he got asked the same thing a couple of times as well. And I tweeted out, sarcastically saying, oh, can't wait now for someone to ask him after the game, oh, you haven't won an MLS championship, do you feel your career's a failure? They didn't quite word it like that, 
But they did say, do you feel your career's incomplete? Because he hasn't won an MLS wow. championship. What ignorance and arrogance. Unbelievable. But talking of Zlatan, going to play a few minutes from his post-game scrum just now. It, it's just, it's wonderful. For the fans, when there's a lot of goals, it's always exciting and uh, and fun. But obviously for the for the teams that plays, nobody wants to concede a lot of goals. And uh, and today, unlucky, we, we concede five goals. At the same time, we scored three goals. So I think the whole season has been like this. We scored a couple of goals, but we concede much more than we are scoring. And uh, it's not the way you win. It's not the way you become champion. And, I think we should be sad and, and disappointed. Sad because we are not true. Disappointed because I think we do mistakes that we let them punish us in a way that we have to come back from it. And it's not easy to play like that. But uh, I mean, we can talk a lot now, but it's all it's all about what you do on the field. Yeah, the, you know, the world loves you, MLS, Latin. Loves you. Would love to see you back next year with talks. Maybe according I to LFC, one we should be over there. Right? <laughs> no, we want to talk to you. You know, apparently so talks. Imagine in... if I don't play in MLS, who will you talk exactly, about? Exactly <laughs> right. So with apparently reports have it that you know talks are sort of cooling off in the culture. You know, you know I'm very tonight. expensive. Absolutely, and the galaxy's got plenty of money. So can we expect Does to see MLS you perhaps? Have money? Yes. <laughs> so. G- give the money to Slata. Can we expect to see you here next year if the money is No, the right it's not about amount. money. I'm just joking. Uh, yeah. I have another two months and uh, we see what happens. I mean, uh, when you play, you want to get credit back for when you're playing. And uh, when you do a lot of things, you want to get credit by, by, by what you're doing. And uh, I think we're doing the maximum we can. And uh, win or lose today, still we did the maximum. And uh, like I said, the whole season has been like this. We scored two, we conceded four. We scored three, we conceded four. Uh, we scored one, we conceded three. And uh, it's difficult to play like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but still, I did my best. I think everybody did their best. And uh, and what happens next year, I don't know. I mean, if I stay or not, I think for MLS is good because the whole world will watch it. If I don't stay... Nobody will remember what MLS is. The second goal by them was clearly offside. How does that Was it? Yes. How Are you that? sure? Yes. <laughs> Are you 100% sure? Yes. And you think we didn't know that? No, I think you knew that. But the referee didn't know that. The VAR didn't get involved in it. But that, did, did, What was he doing upstairs? It's a good question. Drinking coffee with Magic Johnson? Good question. <laughs> exactly. But how, how does that impact just uh, how the game goes on from there? Because that certainly plays a role in this. It's difficult. Because if you have the VAR, it, it, it means that uh, the game is extra controlled by the... Not a fourth by fifth referee upstairs, but yeah, if he's drinking coffee with Magic Johnson, then it's difficult to 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 play the game because he has to be in control. He didn't even go out and check, and he said that he needed a signal from the VAR people to go out and check. So what is, what is the VAR people doing? But yeah, I don't want to complain about that, guys. We just lost, and uh, I don't want to be a loser complaining about the ref because it's not my level. Oh, superb. Like I said, the whole nine and a half minutes, I'm sure it's up in LA's site or somewhere. It's You've just got to watch. It was hilarious. There was another bit as well where one of the guys said, yeah, you've, you've had a, a, a good season though. Um, you, you, you got a lot of goals. And it's like, how many goals did I get? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. And he's like, you don't know? You can't do your job? 
And then someone said 31. I said, yeah, I had, I had a good season. Individually, I had a good season. It's like, okay then. He was pretty salty. He's not back, right? I don't know. Someone tweeted out that there's a rumour going around that they could bring him back on a kind of reduced deal where he only plays home games. What kind of luck? Is that the only Lee, LA Lee Young, can have that kind of luxury. Is that the Lee Young-Pyo? <laughs> a Lee Young-Pyo contract. It's... It would. He's been good for the league and he's been entertaining. And a lot of folk were pissed off before the game down there because Vela and Zlatan would not talk to media for a couple of days before the game. It's like, yeah, be thankful for the access you get yeah. over here because you do not get that access to players in Europe. And I think folk take it for granted. And then before a big game, star players don't want to talk and they get all pissy about it. But they spoke afterwards. Yeah. Don't take your media access for granted. Yeah. It's, and like I've nothing but complimentary things to say about Slatin for when he was here. TSN got to speak to him on the pitch after the game here before American media got to speak to him. We got seven minutes with him in the scrum afterwards. He answered all the questions. He was polite. When someone tried to cut her off when she was asking a question, he's like, no, no, the lady's asking a question. And he was perfect. He signed autographs for anyone that was watching them. All the media? Them. Obviously, I've got my chest signed. I haven't watched since, <laughs> as you can probably smell. But he was great here. He's been great for the league. Yeah, he's an arrogant cock at times, most of the time. But, hey, that's the kind of cock I like. I thought you were going to call him Count. No. Count, uh, Count Zlatan. No. Vela spoke for two and a half minutes after the game. In English or... Oh, he did Spanish as well, actually. So oh, I guess if you, so, yeah. if you lump that together. Probably more. Yeah. But anyway, LA Galaxy now go on to face Seattle. Boo. Sorry, who? Well, who goes on to face? The Flounders. I thought you just oh, said LA Galaxy. <laughs> LAFC. Zlatan is not going on to face anyone. Unless somehow LAFC managed to sign him. There's probably some deal out there that's going to let them do it. Oh, maybe they'll bring him back next year. No. Maybe we'll bring him no, back next no. year and they only play away You think games. Bob Bradley would want that? In his locker room? No. no. We could bring him back for away games. That could be his contract. <laughs> he plays for Vancouver's away games. He only games. plays in grass pitches. <laughs> I'd take that. How many goals would he get? Actually, with the midfield we had this year, probably nil. But yeah, so Seattle, LAFC, Tuesday night. Everyone knows Tuesday night is football night. <laughs> At least there's probably not going to be much on. I don't know. Baseball might be on. Who, who knows? Seattle got past RSL 2-0. That was a game that didn't feel in too much doubt. Svensson got one in the 64th, Ladero in the 81st. Romando had a couple of big saves, but it's bye-bye. What did you think of that sending off in that game? Do you see that? Oh, what was that game? Uh, I'd actually forgot about that. Svensson sort of got fouled by, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now. And everyone, it's like 85th or 86th minute. Yes. Everyone went crazy. Yeah, it was a bad tackle. Yeah. It was a pretty, that was a shocking tackle. It was right in his ankle. It was studs off the ground. I had done it earlier. <laughs> it felt like the game's over, so I'm going to have a go. Yeah. yeah. I I tweeted out something when, like, Seattle made their subs really early. Uh, all three of their subs. And I said, this is the time now when RSL need to really start going in with their hard tackles. That did not go down well with Seattle fans. On Twitter? Mm. They get very upset oh, when they don't like players you? injured. I said, fairly, of course. And then when that tackle went, I went, he obviously didn't read my full tweet. <laughs> 
But Nick Romando bowed out in that one. We spoke about it a couple of weeks back. Absolute legend of the game. Sad way for him to go. He was very emotional afterwards, yeah, but he was. he was all class. You and got... I don't praise the Seattle fans very often. They were very classy towards him. Yeah. You got to go out in the last stadium he won an MLS Cup at. Oh, that's nice. Were you, were you there? No. Oh, I was there. I've never been to an MLS Cup. Oh. I am thinking of going down to LAFC if they do host it. What if it's in Atlanta? No. Of course, it could be Seattle TFC. Then it will be, be in, in Seattle. Seattle, yeah. You so going to go to that? I would definitely go to that. It's on the 10th, right? Yeah. Accreditation's always actually usually quite limited, but in Seattle, they've got a way bigger press box. There's probably more of a chance. Who do you have in LAFC Seattle? Uh, yeah, I, it's hard for me not to want it to not be Seattle. So I would be okay with, you know, uh, an Atlanta. Sounders Atlanta have versus, never beaten LAFC. Oh, an LAFC had never beaten the Galaxy until the other day. Oh, no. You, you never know. I think LAFC versus Atlanta. I think LAFC versus TFC. Are you going to go to that? Yeah, it's an LAFC. I, I want to go to one. I want to see the stadium. Down? Well, they may, see, yeah. Because you like to drive places. I do, but not for that. Yeah. The main reason I want to go, if it's at LAFC, is I really want to see the stadium. It looks a great stadium. I'm, the atmosphere seems amazing. I'm the 3252 are fantastic. I think I'm going to be down there in early season next year if there is a season. So I'm, whether or not there's a game, if I'm I don't go the for the MLS then. Cup, I'm definitely going when the White Caps go down last year. Next year? Yeah, the, yeah next season. If, if there's a season. <laughs> I was, I'm on LAFC's mailing list. I have no idea how, but I keep getting all, like, not media mailing list, fan mailing list. I may have signed up for something when they were launching or, or something just to get info, but they keep sending me emails. So they sent me a thing going, tickets have just gone on sale for this, this game against Seattle. So I happened to be online when it came through. I clicked on right away. I clicked on within five seconds of getting the email. I was in a queue in Ticketmaster and there was 2,000 plus people above me in the queue. So what seats did you get? Well, I waited until I, I did eventually get through. And all the main tickets had sold out. There was a couple of really expensive sweet ones still available. And a shitload of resale tickets already. Folk just selling their tickets. The cheapest ticket in the 3252 supporters section was over $500 oh, oh, you in the resale. And the gonna, demand is just insane. And now you're going to resell it, the one you buy? Oh, yeah, obviously. I've I, I got that, and I, I'm touting it for the highest bidder. The, the, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but the, someone – this is there all the time, I think. But someone tweeted out a picture or put a social media picture <clears throat> from outside the LA – the 352, the LAFC uh, end of the stadium. There's big signs and like as you're going to the section that say, like, you're not allowed to wear any other football club or international jersey in these oh, sections. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, you're strongly encouraged to wear black. And they do. And the atmosphere is amazing. Yeah. It's nice. Also, just nice want to see. say, very, very happy for Jordan Harvey and Stephen Bates. Yeah. Back to back. Bates, of course, got uh, an MLS Cup. Harvey, I spoke to him a couple of years ago just about what he hoped to still achieve in his career. And he wanted an MLS Cup. It'd be so good for him if he got it. I, I would be delighted for him. We actually, I hope to have him on the show tonight. Not for the first time this season. I've not had a reply from LAFC to the email that I've sent. Oh. 
hopefully if they get through if I'll o- get in touch with him another way and we'll get him on the show for next week if only you knew someone who had connections at LAFC I don't ask MDS oh I'll be speaking to him soon as well yeah he'll sort you out it'll be after next week's show oh okay anyway what time is it must be wavelength it is wavelength time now this month inadvertently we had a theme he's playing with his Lego we had a theme of songs about goals I think it's because I saw so few of them this year watching the Whitecaps that I've just kind of got goals so we're going back to 1986 for this wavelength and a band that we featured several times on the show not really surprising since they do have two full albums <laughs> dedicated to football songs and we haven't played even a quarter of them so we've got all that kind of stuff they're from Norwich in England they're called Halftime Oranges and oh, we've had them before yeah, oh, some, yeah. some folk get an orange at halftime some folk get pulled off at halftime the song you played last week was great. I can't remember what it was. It was a goals song. Oh, yes. Scoring goals, goals, goals. Scoring goals, goals, goals. It was like a punk song. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are. This one isn't. <laughs> Tonight's song is from their first album, Clive Baker Set Fire to Me. And it's about a guy who loves a girl but can't tell her. He doesn't know how because there's a million ways to score a goal, but there's no easy way to tell a girl that you love her. This is Halftime Oranges.
Time oranges there, a million ways. I I was curious as to how many wavelength songs we've played. We we started the section. We played some songs on and off, but we'd started the section properly when we got into CITR. So it was in February 2017. Hazard, I guess, how many wavelength songs we've played. So these are these are songs by bands about football. Oh, it's got to be a hundred between 100 and 150. Oh, good, 138. I've got we, a lot more to come. Are we gonna, They're not all good, but I've got a lot more to come. That was like one of your more interesting song selections in terms of themes. I enjoyed it. It was nice. It was. You know what's also nice? What? Bill Curry and BC Soccer Web and all the work they do for bringing you to uh, all the football news around the world. It's as if we had this planned. Yes, because now it's time for Steve's favourite part of the show. It's BC Soccer Web Headlines, your one-stop site for local, national and international news, stories and a lot more besides. Where do you find it all? bcsoccerweb.com, of course. It's a wonderful site. Check it out morning, noon and night. What's been catching your eye, uh, catching your eye on the site uh, this week, Michael? Oh, what caught no, Steve's I never, eye? I never read it. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. That's a joke I do. No, Steve was sick and he said, oh, well, he didn't talk. But I imagine if his tweet was in words because he's got a sore throat, he'd be like, I, 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 I'm not well, but do, do you still want me to, to put together the, the headlines? So obviously, being kind, I was like, yeah, sure, that'd be great, thanks. <laughs> Just if you've got time. So he has put them together. We are overrunning, and I am debating whether to cut this whole segment out of the show. No, we're going to do oh, it. we okay. got to do it. we got to do it. All right. We'll let's rattle, let's we'll get through the MLS through stuff first. Okay. Start with your favorite league. Okay. First up in MLS. This wasn't one of the things that he actually sent, but I'm oh. going to put it in myself. Oh. The MLS is coming to Sacramento. Up the Republic. I hope the hashtag is going to be hashtag ball sack. For football coming to Sacramento. Hashtag ball sack. Yeah, you, good luck getting that going. I'll, I'll get that going. <laughs> it's long overdue. They're going to be starting to play in 2022. Promoted from the USL. They finished seventh. It's crazy. They didn't even win the USL when they got promoted. Just bags of cash. That's oh. all it takes. Uh, uh, this is one of those rare instances where I really hope a uh, club will keep its name and logo. I definitely hope that they keep their whole identity. Yeah, it's I, wonderful. I don't know if they will because MLS doesn't typically like that. Yeah. They, they, I've always enjoyed what they – you've been to a game there, right? No. Oh. I've been to Sacramento, but I never actually took a game in Oh, there. yeah, no. Our good friend Naveed Mastinchi is down there. Yeah. I mentioned that on last week's show. So he's going to be cock-a-hoop that it's finally coming. It's so, so overdue. He said in – Don Garbus in 2017 – there was a case of, uh, not now, but when, yeah. if. It's going to definitely be coming. And it is. 2022 is close-ish as well, but they've certainly got enough time to get everything ready. They've got new ownership. They've got the money. It's another LA derby. 
is there too no there's Cal- another California Cal- derby is there too many teams in California some folk be saying can you have too many, too many teams, teams in California in Texas? I don't think so it's so big Texas yes. Texas I think you can but yeah this is what the third mm. is there too many teams in Miami how many teams are in Texas there's, there's going to be three with Austin yeah three with Austin yeah in MLS and then you've got the ones non-MLS I or think there's too many Antonio, teams already yeah. in and Austin Bold don't forget them Sorry, who? Austin Bold. Is that USL? Uh-huh. Yeah. And also a typeface on Microsoft <laughs> Word 2016. Miami. David Beckham. Their MLS team unveiled plans for a $966 million stadium in Miami, which has had delays now, and Don Garber has called it frustrating. The delay is due in part to a report that found arsenic contamination... <laughs> reaching more than twice the legal limits and hazardous debris in multi in surface level soil samples at the Melrees Golf Course where people have played more than 50 years no no your limits build within it mm. Let, they've also found barium and lead levels above the legal limit a final vote on Thursday was also delayed which could delay the overall project now all of a sudden there's a bunch of folks that are backtracking on some of the commitments that were made i find it frustrating and at times infuriating. It seems as if we're getting caught up in a political mess that's not of our making. I'm very disappointed. I've no idea who said that, Steve. It's Garber. I think it's Garber. Garber. Donnie G. I mean, you know, this thing has been a process in, in, in essence since 2007 when Beckham struck his deal with the league that gave him an expansion team for like $25 million. Now, he might have had to pay some uh, time frame extender fees for that. You never know. But um, this is crazy, man. Very, very. It's, this is painful. Yeah. Regardless, I just hope there's a wonderful stadium for David Norman to play in. I, I also, like, when you see the plans, like, the stadium looks nice. and It looks I weird. Does it look weird? It look at that picture. or something, 20,000-odd capacity. It looks like it's going to be too small, and there's no room to expand either with where they're building it because of all the things that's round about it. Yeah, but if they are ambitious... Then they can build a new one in a better location. It's like LAFC as well need a bigger stadium, and I don't see how they can expand that right as of now. Yeah, I, I don't no know. proper thinking for these teams. Yeah, but they, I mean, it's kind of like you have to do well enough and for a long enough time before you can expand, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Your, sta- your stadium. So... It, just because you did good for a year or two, like LAFC, I guess two years, you could say, doesn't mean that the third year you should be expanding your stadium. No. Moving but, away. But you're right. The, maybe the initial was a little bit short-sighted. Mm-hmm. Moving away from MLS to Europe, as so many players do. I'm sure Carlos Vela might at the end of the season. UEFA, they have separated Russia and Kosovo in a bid to keep the peace. Russia, which is part hosting Euro 2020 does not formally recognise Kosovo's declaration of independence from Serbia in 2008, though neither do fellow hosts Azerbaijan, Romania and Spain. Now, it might be a little bit far-fetched that Kosovo qualify, but they are an uprising team and they're doing quite well. UEFA has said that Kosovo shall no longer be drawn against each other Oh, sorry, Russia and Kosovo will no longer be drawn against each other in any future UEFA competitions until further notice. Earlier this year, Spain were stripped of hosting qualifying games 
of the Under-17 Euro Championship for refusing to recognise the national symbols of Kosovo. Not really surprising because Spain is very anti-independence. We're obviously against the the whole Catalan separate thing. They didn't. They spoke out against Scottish independence in the referendum as well. So screw Spain. But interesting that you're actually keeping teams apart. So you're fixing a draw in that regard. Like, are you talking about, like, FIFA's never fixed a draw before? Well, this is UEFA. <laughs> or UEFA's never fixed a draw before. No. Um, no, I, this is un- this is all, I think, unfortunate. Uh, there, yeah, there's so many hosts for Euro 2020 because it's, yeah. it's across the entire yeah, continent. Yeah, Scotland's hosting a game. Are you? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we won't in be five, in it. In five? No, Glasgow. Oh. They, they, Hamden? Said, Hamden? they said the 2,000 capacity Bayview <laughs> probably will be enough for the crappy game we're going to get. <laughs> but we'll have it at Hamden anyway. <laughs> Staying in Europe, women's soccer players are going to go on strike in Spain. More than 90% of voting players favoured the strike and they disagree over issues including the club's decision to limit working hours to 20 hours per week. They want to be guaranteed at least 30 hours a week. Well, staying on the theme of women's football in Europe, Italy's female soccer stars are fighting to change the law that limits their pay to $33,000. Female players are still considered amateurs by Italian law from 1981 and therefore are not permitted to earn more than 30,000 euros or 33,000, I think Canadian is, per year before taxes. Wow. Yeah. I think that's 33,000. That's like, that's a king's ransom in the CPL. I think that that uh, 1981 law probably needs a little bit of updating. I think there's a lot of things though that do need updating in Italy and Italian soccer. Oh, here's this next one's gonna this make the blood boil. It's all about the money or China. China rubber stamped to uh, was my Donald Trump impersonation yeah, before so was mine, I was yeah before they think we're doing Chinese impersonations. No one would do that. China rubber stamped to host a 24 team Club World Cup. They would be hosting the first edition of the expanded Club World Cup in 2021 with FIFA president Gianni Infantino hailing the landmark event as historic and describing it as the first real and true Club World Cup. Saying it was a childhood dream come true. That and unicorns. He still hasn't got the unicorns going. After the FIFA Congress unanimously chose China as hosts. No surprise, since it was the only candidate. I'm actually kind of surprised that US and Canada maybe didn't go in for it because get you some of your stadiums up to date for the, the World Cup coming up. Infantino told reporters, the new tournament will be a competition anyone who loves football is looking forward to. Except for- so clearly East Fife and AFC Wimbledon are going to be in it. <laughs> and and St. Pauli and Union Berlin. Oh, yeah. There's your World Cup. <laughs> Infantino, nevertheless, has a battle on his hands, trying to make sure the top European clubs take part, hence he's fifing it. Last March, the European Club Association expressed concern about expanding the Club World Cup and its board members signed a letter saying they were firmly against any potential approval of a revised tournament. They've backed off that a little. I do believe CONCACAF's getting three representatives in it. MLS Cup winner, (laughs) CONCACAF Cup winner, Liga MX... It, surely it can't be like that. Mm. Who no. else would you pick? You got to make oh, the top three sides in the Concacaf Champions League. Maybe it's going to be the Campione's Cup or whatever crap that was. Oh please, don't even joke. That would be so sad. The top three in the in the in the Concacaf Champions League, no? 
So you have a third place playoff? I don't think they'll do that. I think it will be the MLS Cup winner, Liga MX winner. That will be really lame. CONCACAF winner, which of course could be the same as Liga yeah. MX winner. Mm. Interesting times. And we'll, we'll finish on a, on a high. Oh, yeah. Crack. That gets me high. Gets Canada high. Because they've cracked the top six in the CONCACAF FIFA World Rankings. If they can get anything out of this American game, we talked a little bit about this last week. Steve had kind of worked it out. They should be in the hex, but there's still a chance for teams to catch them. But at least it's good news. There's there's hope. There's always hope. This this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to... uh, I almost... Well, I actually had flights and accommodation booked for the Orlando game. And... uh, But uh, one of the reasons I called that off is because... I. Would like to be there if uh, Canada makes the hex and gets into a game where they can qualify for the World Cup. I uh, was too 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 young um, back in the day to be in St. St. John's for <laughs> for the last one. How old were you? Uh, Eighty five. I would have been six ish. Mm. Wow, <laughs> really? And I wasn't even following football. You had a tough paper round. I thought you were way older than that. Yeah. No. I found an interesting this face is made old for radio. photo of you with what? No, no beard. What? Say that again? I found an interesting old photo of you the other day. I've been looking through old photos of Oh, like hanging around football? Mm-hmm. Way back in Do 2008. Have, have you, although, is a, no, that's 2009. Mass's Basement. Uh, I don't pa- know if I've painting, got any photos from Painting that. the first ever Tifo yeah. we ever did together. Do you remember that? Took, yeah, of course I remember if that. You go, I think, it's the only Tifo I've ever painted. Is it really? Uh-huh. The only one? Yeah. we got to get you to work. Um... There's uh, if you go on my old pictures on Facebook or whatever, you can see a whole bunch of the six or seven of us they're painting. They won't let me do it. They say I always cross the line. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up. Just before we go, did you did you learn anything from this week's show? You asked me to call you Count Michael from now on. Yes, I think it's kind of. I like the word count, but the way you were insinuating it, it makes it a little bit awkward. I I. <laughs> I like the word because Mad Hat McGore uses it all the time in his songs. Count? I think that's what he's saying, yeah. I, I also learned that we must... I am from the kingdom of Fife, so yeah. really I'm a king. Count, Count Michael? Mm. Uh, I'm, uh, as usual, when Steve's not here, we miss, I miss him. Oh. I know you're always I, like, I you're really always like it's so better that. when you guys aren't around. Hmm. We didn't really miss you last week. No, you didn't. Well, you had Tannenwald. Uh, oh, he was good. Tannenwald. Oh, that's my favorite thing. He didn't, want, he didn't want to stay up until 4 a.m. this morning. Tannenwald, who made the comment that you <laughs> you two are really up on your German football, <laughs> was, was one of my favorite comments from last week's show. Yeah. If you can splice that into the beginning of this show. At the, See, if Steve had done the, the intro, intro we maybe, yeah. maybe we'd have. That to. would be my my. my I highlight. learned some interesting stuff from the adverts, oh, this- but I kind of forgotten it already. <laughs> But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, for Steve, it's at WhitecapsBeat on Twitter. For me, it's at ZacharyAM, and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer, or on YouTube at AFTN Canada. Give Steve a follow as well. He's going to be at WhitecapsBeat on Twitter. I, I just said that, but you probably didn't hear that. Oh, I wasn't listening to <laughs> I don't do that most of the time. You can also catch Steve waiting for the boats to come in at Steveston. <laughs> but that is it for tonight's show. We will be back next week, 11 o'clock. Until next week, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a happy and safe 
Halloween and eat lots of candy. Mon the goblins. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.